following is a presentation of the Outside Lens Radio Network. Recording live from Studio Shanto, outside of Detroit, Michigan, you're listening to Scotty Freytown and Tyler Dean, The Outside Blitz. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to the Outside Blitz. I am your host, the fabulous one, Scotty Freytown, along with, uh, and, and I got to tell you, folks, I'm a little, I, at first I was a little sad. Tyler said he wasn't going to be here this week. He's out on vacation. Captain Vacay, we know, we know what that is, but I am joined, uh, uh, taking his spot for the week, filling in the one and only, the cannonball, Alex Steele. Alex, welcome back to the show. Great to have you. Thank you for filling in today. Happy to be here riding shotgun. Uh, you know, it's uh, you know, Thanksgiving week has come and gone, um, and I'm excited to dig into all these news stories and all these scores, so let's get at it. Yeah, man, we're, we're totally stoked. I'm excited to have you on board. And uh, folks, uh, we, we had a, a hellacious week in the, uh, during the Thanksgiving week of the NFL. Uh, I hope everybody's ready to rock and roll. And today, it's a, it's a hell of a Saturday. We've got the Big Ten title game coming. Um, Michigan getting ready to take on Iowa. Alex mm-hmm. sporting that Michigan hoodie today. Absolutely. Uh, all the way up there in Traverse City, ready to rock and roll. We are very excited. Um, so over here in Detroit, I, you know, it's funny, you know, everybody knows I'm a Vikings fan, but everybody also knows that this show's from Detroit and it, mm-hmm. it's in Tyler's a Ravens fan. I just feel like it's insanity. You are like one of the lone lions fans and, yep. uh, you got it. <laughs> Thir- you got 30, 30, 37 right years of pain, pain anguish, anguish and suffering. Uh, you know, I've survived through the Matt Millen era. I survived through Joey Harrington. I survived through 0-16 with Stafford and Calvin Johnson. I've also been on the other side when we started making strides to the playoffs. I've stuck around, you know, all these years. My own brother, my own flesh and blood uh, said enough of this and went to Las Vegas. (laughs) I mean, not literally. He went with the Raiders. So that just kind of tells you, um, you know, just the the kind of uh, – I keep lining up for it. I don't know why, I don't know how, but uh, that's just the way it is for me. Yeah, I don't know why you why you keep doing it. You keep showing up, putting three fingers in the dirt, and and uh, you might wind up, you know, in an 0-16 and one situation. Coming <laughs> it's up, entirely possible, ju- judging by the look of things. But we'll mm. see how that goes. Um, and we'll we'll get into that about this weekend uh, tonight. So, um, Alex, we got scores around the league. Getting ready to to we're going to jump into those. Are you ready to jump into those scores? Let's do it. All right. Jumping into here are your scores for week 12 and jumping into a Thursday night. We had, well, Thursday afternoon for the Thanksgiving games. Bears and the Lions. Bears squeak one out against the Lions with a field goal. Another heartbreaker for the Lions just keeps happening. Bears win 16-14. Lions fall to 0-10-1. Bears go to 4-7. Uh, over on the Bears side, you know, Alex, let's, let's talk about this Matt Nagy thing for a little bit here because before this game, there were rumors swirling that he was going to be fired, oh, yeah. lose or draw in this game. Mm-hmm. Um, are the Bears just the biggest dumpster fire as far as the organization right now? I would, I would, I would say that the the Bears are a dumpster fire on par with Detroit. I mean, Detroit's probably the bigger dumpster fire, only because I, I think they're on only on the even keel because uh, you know there there are people trying to put the fires out in Detroit while this one's just getting started. Uh, I mean, they but you know the the commissioners the 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 front office said 
we had no intention of firing Matt Nagy or, uh, you know, I heard during the broadcast, that it's like, well, who tells their head coach that they're fired when they're starting the game, you know? And, and, and of course they go on, you know, the Bears go on to win a game in while the Lions proceeded to lose in the saddest fashion uh, I've ever seen uh, as a Lions fan, and I've been through it all. Yeah, I, I think the Bears right now are, are really kind of like, like the Lions are sort of trending up, believe it or not, even at an 0-10-1. I, I still really believe in Dan Campbell. Um, there were there was a coaching snafu during this game that a lot of people got really kind of pissed off about. But, I mean, I really do think that the Lions are trending up. I feel like the, the team really, truly wants to play for him. But they, you know, and everybody's been giving Jared Goff a hard time. We've talked about it on this show before. The man has no weapons. And, yep. and yeah, DeAndre Swift, even worse, he went out as well. So, I mean, it was it was a tough go for, for the, uh, the old Lions in this game. But they wind up, uh, you know, keeping it close. Another really, really close one. You can tell this team has fight. You can tell that they're maybe two or three weapons away from being a really, truly relevant team in this league. Um, and then on the Bears' side, like you said, I, I think that dumpster fire is just starting. I think it's it's mm-hmm. just, it, it started, like, where the Lions are kind of smoldering a little bit because of the fact that the, the fire, is, that dumpster fire is starting to, you know, extinguish itself. The Bears' dumpster fire is starting to, to blow up like, oh, it's out in California there with those wild things. I, I mean, it's and it's yeah. getting a lot of control. The Bears are going to have to play damage control very quickly. Um, if they're mm-hmm. not any of that. Yeah. Uh, go ahead. Absolutely. You know, yeah. They're just going to have to, you know, go. Oh well, we did. We didn't mean to say we fired her coach. Um, I'm pretty sure you did. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah. And I, yeah. so how? So how you going? So how you going to recover from that? Right. They're, they're going to have to get a new head coach for sure. And Eric Bieniemy, I think, is on the table over there. Uh, next up, you got the Raiders, another squeaking one out against the Cowboys, another tight game. We had a bunch of really good games on Thanksgiving. Raiders get it done, 36-33. Uh, Raiders go to 6-5. and five. Cowboys lose four in a row, or yeah. I four, three out of the last four they, they've lost. I mean, it's been tight for them. Uh, Dak Prescott, you know, it's not like they had a hard time moving the ball. It was a very offensive battle. Um, and, and it was just kind of a heartbreaker for the old Cowboys there, uh, not able to get it done against the Raiders. Is I, I mean, the Raiders are, are like barely staying afloat, I feel like, and, and they're still getting it done. Derek Carr had himself a hell of a game in this game, 373 yards and a touchdown. Uh, Dak had himself also a really, really good game. I feel like one thing that, that I, is noticeable about this game and the way the Cowboys played it is the running game. They weren't able to get that running game established. Only 36 yards from Tony Pollard, 25 from Ezekiel Elliott. Dak mm-hmm. Prescott had one rush for three. Zeke did get a touchdown, but it, I mean, I just feel like that's like the heart and soul and the bread and butter of this Cowboys team. And if they had been able to play Balkan <laughs> football with that running game, that they would have won this game, right? Yeah, absolutely. I mean, Ezekiel Elliott, you know, you know, former Ohio State Buckeye, you know, he terrorized the field in college. Uh, you know, obviously the NFL is a whole different animal when it comes to, you know, pass rush and run defense and all that kind of stuff. But even even with even with that caveat, Ezekiel Elliott should, you know, you know, he, he's like one of those players where you can expect to see him break Emmett Smith's record at some point. And you know, to have you know to have that run game be as dismal as it is, is it a credit to uh, the Raiders' defense for slowing them down, 
or is there something? Is there really a problem on the on the Cowboys' offense where the line needs to really do a better job of, you know, creating lanes and you know otherwise you know moving people out of the way so people can get the work done. Right, uh, and you know, I one thing I I do want to make mention of is is you know obviously we're recording this after this Thursday night game, yep. um, but you know from this past Thursday and the Thanksgiving game, both those games. Tony Pollard has outgained Ezekiel Elliott in both the last two games. So it makes me wonder, is Ezekiel Elliott just not the lead back there anymore? I think Tony Pollard, if the Cowboys were smart, I would be putting Ezekiel Elliott on the on the you know on the block there. Forget the two-headed monster stuff. Tony mm-hmm. Pollard is a healthy enough back, and he has been shown to be the more effective back when he is in there. And and we saw this in a, a very similar fashion with the Chargers a few years ago. Tyler and I had a conversation about um, Austin Eckler versus Melvin Gordon. And it seemed like every time Austin Eckler came into the game, he was more effective. He had a better average. And, and it turns <laughs> out so far, Austin Eckler has been the right choice for the Chargers, albeit Austin Eckler does have some injury issues. So I do think the Chargers may need a, a more of a lead back Whereas I think Austin Eckler is a very like probably the most high end uh, change of pace back in the league that they're using as a lead back, but I really believe that Tony Pollard should be the lead back in Dallas right now, don't you? Yeah, I think uh, if, if the statistics you know keep trending the way they are, I mean like I, I haven't been one to be to pay attention to statistics, but if they keep giving the ball to Tony Pollard and they keep giving him the opportunities, you know. Have him prove himself. Have him to have him prove himself to be the number one back, and then, you know, maybe if you're planning to use Ezekiel in the playoffs when you know you're going to make it, it's like okay, let's put Zeke on the sidelines here, make sure he doesn't get hurt, so then our big weapon comes in uh, during the playoffs. Or does Tony Pollard become the big weapon? Because uh, you, you have a lot of ways to look at this. So, absolutely, you know, at least at least give Tony Pollard the opportunity to be that number one back and see what comes of it. Right. I agree. I, I think that, that he should be the lead guy. Um, next up on uh, Thursday, the, the final game of Thanksgiving, you got the Buffalo Bills beating the New Orleans Saints 31-6. to Just a Angry. dominating performance uh, from the Bills. This is like the Bills team that we were hoping to see this year, right? Yep, Absolutely. You know, Josh Allen uh, is looking like the Josh, the, the stud that everybody said he was going to be. You know, Devin Singletary had 15 carries for 44 yards. You know, uh, Stefan Diggs, you know, stepped up and got seven catches for 74 yards and a touchdown. You know, it looks like this team is firing on all cylinders. I mean, the, the Saints didn't score at all. Uh, you know, I don't I, I, I want to take a look to see if he scored any touchdowns, but it looks like, you know, if you only got six points in the fourth quarter, I mean, that defense has got to be got to be worth something too does it not it, it does see that, that trevor simeon did get a late touchdown um but it, it was on a it was a 10 play 75 yard drive he, he did get the one touchdown they did go for two and, and failed to get the two uh the touchdown was actually to nick vanette which i mean and that's another problem for the saints right michael thomas is out i think the saints are are you know really hanging on you know <laughs> to any any semblance of a team uh, we did see that Taysom Hill did get the start on Thursday night, and we, uh, you know, he didn't work out as well as we all would have liked. Um, and I'll jump into that in a little bit. But when we go over the uh, the upcoming schedule, for the record, Tyler and myself, and I think you did too. We I think we all kind of took Dallas in that game um, to win that game, and, and Dallas did wind up getting the W there. But 
I, I just, I'm looking at the Saints right now. Well, first of all, let me just say the Buffalo Bills have been a little hit or miss. Mm-hmm. And they have the team we've been expecting. They're 7-4. and four. They are winning the games they're supposed to be winning. But the most common thing that I'm noticing with the Buffalo Bills is the running game has not been there. Devin Singletary, 10 carries for, or 15 carries for 44 yards. That's not a very high average. Mm-hmm. And I, I believe that Devin Singletary is not the guy. I, we were talking about that. I said, I don't think this is the guy. And I expected them to draft a running back in the first round or the second round this year. And they failed to do that. And the Bills have struggled. Teams have been playing a lot of zone coverage. They've been backing off and then saying, all right, well, I'm just going to cover all your receivers because you don't have anything behind that line that really is worth me defending. So the Bills are a little one-dimensional on the offensive side of the ball. Thankfully, they have the, one of the best. They do have right now the number one defense in the league, uh, and, and, and it's not even close. But on the Saints side, Trevor Simeon comes in. They don't really have a quarterback. We know Jameis Winston went down earlier this year. Saints are in trouble. They're five and six. They're they're I guess they're technically still in the hunt. I don't think mm-hmm. the Saints make the playoffs this year. I think we're going to see changing of the guard situation. I mean, to be fair, I mean almost everybody in the NFL is uh, in the hunt. Um, I, I you know I would argue this is probably the most competitive uh, that the NFL has been. You know, so you're looking at teams that are batting well below 500, and they're still being given a chance. You know, just really quick. I mean, I saw some post on Facebook. I mean, again, it's Facebook, so take it for what it's worth. But apparently, CBS Sports said, "Hey, you know what? Even though they're 0 10 and one, the Lions still have an astronomically low chance of making the playoffs. Yeah, and they, they'd have to, they'd have to win out, and a whole bunch of stuff would have to go their way. But it's like that that just kind of ev- that kind of underscores the idea that, hey, you know, these, you know, obviously the playoff expansion and the extra game." You know, clearly some teams have come out as leaders in their division, but there's also all of the other middle of the pack teams that are here. You know, Washington and the the NFC East is, you know, they could have another representative. You know, the NFC South where the Saints are, you know, all, all three of those teams, you know, the Falcons, the Panthers and New Orleans, they all have five wins. Tampa Bay is obviously clearly in the lead eight and three, but... You know, so all these middle of the road teams have the capability of at least taking, uh, you know, a wild card spot. So, right. and and that's and, the crazy thing. You got a lot of five and six teams right now that are are in the hunt. <laughs> you know, you got mm-hmm. Vikings, you've got Saints, you've got mm-hmm. Falcons. All of a sudden, have have emerged. You got the Eagles looking looking at a spot, especially in the NFC. You got the Panthers looking at a potential spot. They're at five and seven right now. I mean, the Rams technically are a wild card right now because the people, the first, the team leading in the division right now is Arizona. So yep. you've got a lot of lot of situations where there's there's a, a lot of football left to be played. We know that. We know that that there's you know obviously it's going to wind up shaking out in the next couple of weeks, and you're going to see certain teams fall off. Yes, the Lions, technically speaking, have an astronomical <laughs> chance of making the playoffs. But, uh, you know, astronomically low chance, I'd rather say. But realistically, um, you know, I I just you you can tell which teams are going to wind up falling off and and which teams are going to be coming on. The Falcons Mm -hmm. now are one of those teams that are coming on. The Eagles are kind of coming on. The Vikings are kind of hit or miss. Uh, the Panthers are kind of falling off, even though, and then now they just lost CMC last week. So, mm-hmm. 
there's a lot of stuff. Um, there's a lot of teams that, that are still technically speaking in the hunt, and they're going to be considered in the hunt. I mean, we saw some teams last year that had six wins going into the final week of the season, and they were still in the hunt. Um, <laughs> you know, so we'll 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 see what happens in the next couple of weeks. I'm sure we're going to see quite a few of those teams fall off, and the Saints may very well be one of them if they can't get it together mm-hmm. on the side of the football. Absolutely. Next up, you got the Falcons beating the Jaguars 21 to 14. Matt Ryan, I mean, he isn't looking great, but he got it done against the Jags. They're five and six now. Jags fall to two and nine. I want to say right now that I think Urban Meyer is not cut out for the NFL. And Mm -hmm. James Robinson is such a good running back. And last week he was averaging five yards a carry. Five and Mm -hmm. a half. And Urban Meyer just refuses to give that man the football. I'm pleased by the fact that James Robinson has been so underutilized. And obviously, it's really obvious that Urban Meyer doesn't believe in him. Not only did he go out and draft Travis Etienne in the first round of the draft this year, in spite of the fact that James Robinson was over an over a thousand yard rusher and one of the better rushers in the NFL. But now, like this 12, 13, 14 carries a game, it's nonsense. James (laughs) Robinson is the best player on your team. Utilize him. Give him his touches. It's and and I, I think Urban Meyer is single-handedly sinking or has. I mean, they're only two and nine now. I think they're done for the year unless they go mm. ape shit for the next couple of weeks. But I think Urban Meyer has single-handedly sunk the Jags this season, don't you? Yeah, I think so. I mean, not just with the uh, on the field decisions, obviously with the off the field shenanigans. You know, everybody knows about uh, the the issues that he had. Uh, in that nightclub with that with that strange woman, but uh, I mean, they're, they're, so they, we laughed about that for a while, um, you know. And all of his success literally came from college, you know, from when he was coaching with Florida, then he coached with Ohio State, you know. So maybe he truly is just a college coach, uh, you know. Obviously, you know, you know, having a having a, a low end team like the Jaguars with the number one pick in the draft, Trevor Lawrence. Um, you know he's supposed to be. He's supposed to come out and be this. You know this mercurial talent. Uh, but you know the fact of the matter is he. You know Trevor never lost in college except maybe one time, uh, and that was the national championship game when Joe Burrow beat him. Right. So I, I, I think Trevor Lawrence is a really really good talent for the Jags. Yeah. Yeah, and mm-hmm. I, I think that I think that Trevor Lawrence could wind up being the stud over there in ja- in Jacksonville. Oh no I question. Think he needs the right guy there to to guide him and lead him and teach him the ropes because you go to a dumpster fire like like Jacksonville and mm-hmm. and it's a complete shit show and and then you add Urban Meyer to the mix who I believe his ceiling is college that that was his ceiling and and I don't think he's going any higher than that yeah um, I mean it I mean the statistics seems it seems to point to that uh, um, decisively yeah, it's a mess and and he doesn't know what the hell he's doing I think the Jaguars need to move on from Urban Meyer after this year. I think he's going to be a one-hit wonder. I think he's he's just like when Nick Saban came to the NFL. I mean, it's it's exactly what what it is. He's a college coach. He needs to get the hell out of here. And yeah. as far as our uh, the Falcons go, I mean, Arthur Smith. I mean, he, at least he's he, they're five and six. They're right back in the hunt. I thought the Falcons were done for after like week six. And right. here are. They're, they're a game under 500 now all of a sudden, which I never thought I'd see. I thought the Falcons were done for. They have beaten some bad teams. 
I think if when the Falcons finally, you know, start taking on, it's like when they take on a good team, they get smacked around. So mm-hmm. I want to see what happens with the Falcons when they go on and take on some of these good teams. If by some fluke they wind up making the playoffs, which I think that's what it's going to be, kind of a fluke. Mm-hmm. Um, they're obviously going to get destroyed by somebody. Oh, sure. And, and yeah, it's the- going to be first round, get the hell out of here type of thing, you know. But um, the one thing is that they're they're getting it done without Calvin Ridley on the field, which mm-hmm. I think is is something spectacular for them. For and sure. I also think it's real. It really shows a lot about Cordero Patterson lately, who's been red hot at the running back position. Is Cordero Patterson just? I mean, are we going to start offensive weaponing again here? So using that term, offensive weapon. Well, I would certainly you know hope so. I mean, you know, with his performance, you know, last game, you know. Uh, he seem he's he is the lead he is the lead rusher on that team. Yep. Uh, so it, again, it, it comes back to it. You know, if he's he's if he's one of the best players on your team, use him. Yep. You know, especially you know, I, th- I think football in general is born out of the running game. I mean, it depends on how you want to uh, attack it after the fact. I mean, do you want do you want to set up the play action? Do you just want to play ground control and then just you know keep keep it up? Um, obviously, you have to switch it up if you if you have if you're going up against a team with a good running defense. But then you know you have you have your weapons on the outside. Understanding where Arthur Smith came from, because Arthur Smith he was the, the former I, I think he was the offensive line coach or the OC for um, uh, Tennessee Titans. So that you know, think about that where he came from. The Titans, you know, heavy run game, Derrick Henry and whatnot. And, and mm-hmm. I, that's kind of where, where they're going because they did lose that big weapon in Calvin Ridley, who really I don't think Arthur Smith knew what the hell to do with the guy because even before he went in and ha- took his hiatus, um, you know, Calvin Ridley was not getting the love that he should have been getting. Right. So I mean, the, the Falcons are, are I mean, they're, they're right back in the mix. I think there's been a little culture change there because of the fact that Arthur Smith has taken over and, and really started tearing it up. So good on him for, for getting the team back in the mix here and, and back in that in-the-hunt type of deal. Mm-hmm. And I want to see what else uh, Cordero Patterson has, and I want to see if he's going to wind up being a, a long-term running back for the Falcons. I don't think that's his, his end game here. Right. But- I, I would think he would probably go to a higher-tiered team, like a lot, I, I dare say Los Angeles, uh, Chargers or Rams, or even if you send him over to, like, you know the Patriots or the Dolphins or something like that. I mean, I'm just throwing I'm just throwing darts here. But, yeah. You know, but if but if Cordell Patterson does stay in Atlanta and they use him properly, then you know that Atlanta could could very possibly be you know a Super Bowl contender again. Yep, and and I think that I think they're on the right track because he he's not the type of runner that that a guy like Arthur Smith likes, but he's a speedster, mm-hmm. and I think it's out for for Atlanta nicely. Um, next up, we've got the Jets beating the Texans 21-14. Jets advance to 3-8. and Texans fall to 2-9. and Sort of a toilet bowl game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Jets get a W here. You know, uh, <laughs> both these teams are kind of blah. Uh, Tyrod Taylor, yeah. blah. You know, yeah. <laughs> and you get to go to the Jets and Zach Wilson. And you had Flacco and, and Mike White out with COVID and Right, Jets are a mess. But I think they're on the right track. I think they have the right head coach. Robert Saleh is the right guy over there. Texas, mm-hmm. on the other hand, they, they've got all kinds of trouble. You know, it's been a, a you know, a, a, an absolute disgusting mess over there. And then on top of it, they've been just 
you know, fire sailing everything over there, and, and uh, it's it's a shit show. This game was was sort of a shit show, and uh, <laughs> the Jets get it done, 21-14. I don't buy either of these teams, but I do think mm-hmm. the Jets are on the right track. Whereas the Texans, yeah, they're they're just kind of you know petering off the cliff there. I mean, it it all started with the Deshaun Watson mess. Oh yeah, uh, and and the and the and the racist owner. I'll go ahead and say it right here, right now. Yeah, uh, yeah. You know, he's been he's been outed as one. Uh, you know, so that entire situation trying to get Deshaun Watson traded uh, to Miami. That Miami deal unfortunately fell through because they didn't want to pick up his lawsuits. Yeah. Uh, the, so you know, you got that dumpster fire going on. You have. Uh, you know, Brandon Cook's not doing, you know, not producing as much as he has in seasons past. But you have, and and I, you know. There are and, certain receivers that I, I think are quarterback proof. Where, like, no matter how bad the quarterback is, they, they're just going to produce. Mm-hmm. And um, I don't think Brandon Cook's at this point is quarterback proof. Right. Uh, you know, and, and that's what I think the problem is for him right now. He needs that good quarterback, that, that Deshaun Watson type court QB to, to really get it done. Mm-hmm. And, even then, Tyrod Taylor, uh, Tyrod Taylor usually, you know, targets him too, and he he hasn't been targeting him nearly as much. So, I yeah, I, I think the 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 Texans right now that they, they need a lot of work. Then, mm. to their credit, they have a lot of draft picks right now, so yep. they do have that going on. So, I mean, good for them. I, I'm excited to see what the future holds for them, but. Mm-hmm. If, time you know it's really i think the whole thing hinges on deshaun watson yep for sure does he stay or does he go and if he stays does the you know he obviously he's not going to continue to work with the current owner you know do they do you know does the owner step down probably not you know i I don't think cal mcnair is going to go and sell the team anytime soon but i mean i would i there's a lot of questions about that Mm -hmm. guy and how he runs his organization, and and with all the emails and stuff coming out, I think it's only a matter of time before he gets outed too, at some point. Um, next up, you got the Patriots beating the Titans, thirty-six to thirteen. You know, Mac Jones, he is on a run yep. now, seven straight. Um, and, yeah, you know, we- I, I want to say Mac Jones. If you look at his numbers by the numbers, Mac Jones isn't playing like world-beating football here. I'm, I want to mm-hmm. just throw that out there. He had 310 yards, two touchdowns in this game, so it was a bigger game for him. But every other game that he's played, I mean, 183 yards last week, and he had three touchdowns, but he only it was only like 183. He's been playing really good game managing football. Yep. And and I think that he's and right now they're they're kind of in a jousting match with the the Bills right now over mm-hmm. this. And they do play the Bills this week. I'm excited for that game. I think that's going to be a lot of fun. Um, mm-hmm. But Mac Jones, I mean, he's he's in the discussion right now for rookie of the year, um, and you know, we all, we were, we all called him a bust. You know, all yeah. of our friends called him a bust because he came from Alabama. You know, goodness knows that the last few years, all the quarterbacks that's come from Alabama have been bust, Tua especially. Yeah. But Mac Jones and the Patriots uh, are have definitely proven their defense has definitely been one of the higher. Um, you know, more, more potent defenses in the league. Yeah, so, and the Titans, you know, generally speaking, the Titans usually have a really high-end defense too. And and both these teams are, are now sitting at eight and four after this game. You know, the Titans, 
they're like barely holding on. I think the Titans do have enough victories to wind up making their way into the playoffs. Mm. The good news for them is that Derrick Henry is supposed to come back in the playoffs. Mm-hmm. So well, they, they said that the injury was six to ten weeks. And, and by my math and, and without me looking at it, I'm like, hell, that's right around playoff time. Yep. So you you you're given the beast time to to, to heal, and we so when when the playoffs come, watch out. That freight train's going to be coming down coming down the field, and you're not going to be able to stop them. Yeah, I think I think the Titans, if they if they wind up getting about two maybe three more wins, they're in. And mm-hmm. Ryan Tannehill has to step it up. He has not played well. Ryan Tannehill no. has been bad, and and you know obviously AJ Brown's been hurting, and he hasn't been producing. And Julio Jones, who we thought was going to be a monster, he hasn't been producing. They have no tight end over there. That defense has been like the one thing that's really been keeping this team alive in that pass rush. Titans have an opportunity to make the playoffs, but I think we're about to see the Patriots back in the playoffs. And I hate to say it, but you may be seeing like another Patriots dynasty situation here with Mac Jones. And, And that just makes me sick to my stomach. I, well, 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 who's well, who's under the hood? Who's calling the shots? Bill yeah, Belichick. And, and the Mac Jones has been playing. It's been Tom Brady-esque football. That short dink and dunk pass stuff. That quick pass, get the ball out quickly. I mean, that's that's what they've been playing, and Mac Jones is executing it to perfection. Think about a think about a Buccaneers versus Patriots Super Bowl. I mean, just just that tagline alone would make headlines. Then you throw in Tom Brady versus Mac Jones and Bill Belichick. You got a recipe for a great game. You know, yeah. That's an early prediction for sure. Yeah, and they played earlier this year, and it was kind of a you know, really kind of low-scoring block kind of game. But that was early on in the year. And now Mac Jones is hitting his stride in a way that I'm like, oh, okay. Like, this this is going to be interesting. If they meet again, who knows what can go down. It, it could make for an exciting game. Uh, now, next up, we got the Giants squeaking out one against the Eagles, 13-7. <laughs> Jalen Hurts looks horrible in this game. Just a mm-hmm. rough day at the office. Uh, and, and I mean, he only went for 129 yards. He had three picks on the day. I, I mean, it's a bad game for, for Jalen Hurts, who's actually been red hot the last few games. Um, everybody was talking about, oh, maybe this guy is the real deal. And even Tyler and I on the last show going, oh, maybe this guy is the real deal. He has proven not to be the real deal so far uh, after, <laughs> after that last game against the Giants. Is this an anomaly, Alex, or do you think Jalen Hurts is still ready to rock and roll? I don't know. I mean, it's it's a toss-up because again, he's an Alabama quarterback. You uh, know, I mean. It, well, yeah, he he was at Alabama, but I think he got drafted from Oklahoma, if I'm not mistaken. Oh okay, no, you're you are right. Uh, yeah, that is he correct because he because he had the he he won the Heisman the year the year before he was drafted, but. Um, if we, I mean, if we could take a look at his, you know, Jalen's career stats here, um, you know, the, the, during the regular season, he's had 211 completion, you know, completions of 30, 351 attempts. So he's 60% on the year. Yeah. You know, he's, he's just, he's, he's, he's a bullet under 20, 2,500 yards. So if you just look at the numbers there, I mean, that's one thing, but how is this poise in the pocket? Is he running away a lot? You know, it, how many sacks has he had against him? One thing Jalen Hurts is, is he's so mobile, and, and a lot of people always talk about his mobility, and, and that's been what has been keeping him alive um, in college football. And, and you know, he, he, he played his final year in Oklahoma. That's, that's been what, what's been keeping him alive throughout the year, though, is, is his, um, 
his mobility. And that's what a lot of people talked about was his mobility. I think he's honestly having trouble reading some defenses. And I, and I think he's, you know, the good news for, for him is that he's able to kind of make those off-schedule type of plays. But he's having a hard time um, reading some of these defenses. And I don't think the Giants' defense is anything to write home about. But, you know, the, the Eagles, you know, they, they could have something special in him. Like, he's so hit or miss. He's One week he's there and he's great. And then the next week he's rough. I have questions about this guy. And then on the other side with the Giants, I have questions about Danny Dimes at this point. It is, mm-hmm. I don't think Daniel Jones is a guy. I think we all kind of laughed a little bit, and he's kind of given us glimmers of hope every now and then. Going, oh, maybe this guy is the dude. And Tyler and I have mm-hmm. said on the show, oh, maybe this guy is the guy. And then next thing you know, you know that the PR that you know that he he has a, a horrible four interception game, or he. You know, he's missing receivers left and right, and he's getting blown out by a bunch of nobodies or, or whatever. You know, we we, we just – he's such a, a, a questionable player. We have so many yeah. questions about what we're going to get out of Daniel Jones. I really, truly believe that that um, Daniel Jones is, is kind of a mess. I think him and Joe Judge need to go. Yeah. But, you know, I think Joe Judge needs to go first. And if the Giants do the right thing, and if the Giants wind up going and getting a real coach that can handle, um, you know, the, the 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 Daniel Jones situation, and they can teach him how to play, uh, you know, good, solid Peyton Manning, Eli Manning s football. Because we remember Eli Manning was a slow starter, and mm-hmm. and if they can teach him how to play that in that way and in that style, we could be having an entirely different conversation come next year. Of course. So, you know, like if an Eric B. Enemy comes in, right. this might be a diff- whole different animal. Or if a if a Kellen Moore comes walking in, this could be a whole different thing. Mm-hmm. So we we could definitely see it. But Daniel Jones, um, mm-hmm. I he's toast over there in New York as of right now, and I think people are calling for his head, and rightfully so because he hasn't played. Right. I mean, you could say that's the same thing about Giants fans, period. I mean, have been called and not only for the quarterback's head, but for Joe, Joe you know, Joe, Joe Judge's head for sure. And oh, Dave yeah. Gettleman is, uh, I heard a rumor, so, you know, take it for what you will, but I don't think Dave Gettleman's even going to be sticking around. No, uh, I don't think he survives after this year. Dave Gettleman has been an absolute shit show since he got <laughs> A dumpster fire of a GM. Absolutely. Oh, my God. He's mm. one of the worst in football. Mm-hmm. Now, one team that is on the up and up that I am firmly behind that I really enjoy, the Cincinnati Bengals, they blow out the Steelers 41 to 10. Mm-hmm. Bengals go to 7 and 4. Bengals totally in the hunt here. You know, um, there have been uh, there's two divisions in football right now where from week to week the the last place team could wind up in first place. Mm-hmm. And the AFC North is one of those situations right now where Last t- last place team wins, and they wind up in second or third place with one win. It's such a type. The other one is the AFC West. But in the AFC North, the the Bengals right now, I mean, they were they were sitting at the bottom of the division. They Remember, they were leading the AFC at one point, and then they went to the bottom of the division, and they were just in the wild card. Well, now they're sitting there fighting and jousting with the, the Ravens for the, the number one uh, uh, spot in that division again. They're back at 7-4. and four. Raven or the the Bengals are blowing out the Steelers here. The I think the big story as far as the Bengals go, it's not Jamar Chase right now. It's <laughs> the ability and talent of Joe Mixon. Wow, what a yep. solid running back he's become. Because mm-hmm. 
he, he did get hurt earlier in the season. He was hurt all last year. Everybody had concerns about how injury-prone this guy was. It turned out to be a completely different story. He, the last two to three games, Joe Mixon has been absolutely on fire for the Cincinnati Bengals, hasn't he? 20, yep, 28 carries, 165 yards, and two touchdowns You know, in the last game certainly is a strong case for that. You know, and it just back to your point, you know, everybody, everybody was talking about how Jamar Chase is a, a mercurial talent, you know, and we've seen it, you know, in where he's made these ridiculously long catches against one of the best defenses in the league. Uh, but, you know, he, but what has he done since then? You know, but it looks like Joe Mixon has stepped up to the plate, you know, and, and you'll put on, you know, a solid performance. You know, if we take a look at his season-long stats, you know he's already ha- he's already at you know 924 yards. He's knocking on the door for a thousand. You know, and you know throughout his career, he's projected to go 1344. But you know he, he could do he could be more. You know, yeah. as as we march to the end of the season. I think so. Mixon is a good running back. He was always a good running back. The, the big question for him was health, and he, mm-hmm. and he kind of flew under the radar for for a little bit as as one of the top running backs in the league. And, and nobody really kind of considered him a whole lot because I think a lot of it had to do with the fact that he was playing on a Cincinnati team that before Joe, Joe Burrow showed up and before this season was, you know, drafting number one overall and things of that nature. So, you know, everybody kind of blew off Joe Mixon. But I think Joe Mixon is a good, solid, strong running back. I, I think he he's come around in a way, especially this season, that is just exciting. He's been good all year long. And... The good news for, for the Bengals, too, one thing I just want to point out for the Bengals is and Samaj P. Ryan is his backup, who is one of the highest-end backups in this league. Mm. P. Ryan has, has started in this league before. P. Ryan's a good player. So, I mean, the Bengals really have it kind of made in the shade at the running back position, having both Joe Mixon and Samaj P. Ryan right in a row. I think that's phenomenal. And, and the Bengals, they're kind of going to ride that Joe Mixon train until Jamar Chase kind of finds his footing again, which I'm totally all about for the Bengals. Um, I think that's just the smartest play for them. Uh, and on the Steelers' side, man, Ben, he's had a rough go of things the last few weeks. Um, I mean, he's, get, he's getting up there. I mean, uh, I think he's been in the league, wow, 10 years at least. You know, you know, you, you see these, you know, sometimes he pulls a game, you know, out from under his armpit or something, but at the same time, you know, just age is catching up to him. Injuries are catching up to him. I think it, we're, we're starting to see Big Ben slow down a little bit. Yeah, know? well, I mean, well, actually, more than 10, 17 years in the league. I think this okay. is his 17th mm-hmm. year, drafted in 2004. But, I mean, you know, the big thing about, about uh, Ben right now, and I, I just want to make mention of it, he has a great deal of weapons at his disposal. Mm-hmm. Um, and one of my favorites is Deontay Johnson. I just think he's tremendous. And I think Najee Harris is going to be really good. Yeah. But um, I, I think uh, Ben just doesn't know how to, uh, or he doesn't know how to handle this situation. I don't think his arm strength is there. A lot of people, you know, and he, every now and then he'll he'll throw a ball deep and everybody go, oh, well, there's that arm strength. Oh, everybody. <laughs> okay. You know, he threw one deep ball again. Like, give me exactly. a yeah, you know, anybody can throw. Anybody can throw a deep ball. Do you think it's possible that it's a coaching issue, not necessarily a Joe, uh, Jack Tomlin issue, uh, Mike Tomlin issue? Excuse me, uh, but I mean, do you think it's? It's. I don't think it's a Mike Tomlin thing, but you know, maybe his uh, quarterback coach, maybe the quarterback coach or offensive coordinator. You know, is there like 
uh, an issue there, or is it just you know his talent? I, I think it's Ben. I think he's he's finally winding down. And, you know, it, it, one thing that, that we always talk about is is you know Father Time. He, it does no jobs. You know, mm-hmm. he does no jobs to anybody. You know, he doesn't he doesn't lay his shoulders onto the mat. Eventually, Father Time takes us all down. And I think that's what it is for Ben. And after having the Tommy John surgery and all that stuff, you know, I, I, I think he's he's basically done. And I think he's really just, you know, holding on for dear life. But one thing that has been proven, especially with Mason Rudolph coming in during that Lions game and whatnot, this team has no future after Ben. And mm-hmm. I think they're, they're kind of holding on to that because Ben is the only thing that really keeps them afloat, you know, and, and at least mediocre until they figure out what they're going to be for the immediate future. Well, I mean, you tied the Lions. I mean, how how much how much more bleak can you get than that? <laughs> right, and, and that's and so I think what the Steelers are going to wind up doing there's there's one of two routes they're going to go. They're either going to draft a quarterback, you know, in the mm-hmm. early first round, or they're going to go ahead and make a trade. And I think Kirk Cousins is on the table. I think Matt Ryan's on the table. I I think there's a, a number of veteran QBs that still have a lot of tread on the tires that are on the table for the Steelers right now, and they're going to be looking in that direction come this offseason. I, I don't think there's any doubt in my mind. Not uh, sure. Now, next up, we got the Bucks. Bucks go ahead and beat the Colts. This one was a fun one, 38-31. Leonard Fournette puts the team on his back, four touchdowns on the day. Um, the Colts were looking like they were going to run away with this one, and, man, the Bucks came roaring back. What a fun game to watch. What was that thing you said about Father Time? He does no jobs. Well, uh, you throw Tom Brady in that mix, and they'll put him in an ankle lock and make him tap. Yeah, I, Tom Brady. <laughs> I, I, you know, there's there's certain players um, that that just have alien blood in their veins. Oh and my gosh! Assuming yep. that Tom Brady is just one of those players at this point. Um, but Leonard Fournette was was the big story here. I yep. I, I I would just love everything he did uh, in that game. I mean. He, <laughs> It was amazing. I mean, he only had 100 yards on the day, but he had a 5.9 average, three touchdowns on the ground, one through the air, and it was Tom Brady's only passing touchdown. Tom Brady, I mean, he didn't put up world-beating numbers, but I just loved what the, the Bucks did and how they handled things, and, and, and it was just it was an impressive performance. And for the Colts, to be honest with you, I mean, I know they would have liked this win. They fall to 6-6. Six and six. But man, I think that Colts team is red hot, and they are dangerous for anybody. If they make that playoff, if they make those playoffs, if they get in that tournament, the Colts are going to be dangerous for any team they run into at playoff time. Oh, for sure, you know, and it's refreshing to see that Carson Wentz is starting to really get get his groove back as a quarterback because he's with, he, he was with the Eagles forever. Oh, he's he's the Messiah on offense. Kept getting hurt every year. Yeah. But you know now, so if Carson Wentz can stay healthy, that's the key. You know, Car- you know, then he could he can show everybody, hey, I was that good player in Philadelphia, and now I'm gonna show, I'm gonna prove it with the Indianapolis Colts. Come and try me. A lot of the problem with Carson Wentz, you know, yeah, it was a health issue, and he did get hurt this year, but he played through that injury. But I also think it was a coaching thing. And Carson Wentz, you know, he's not putting up world-beating numbers or anything like that. He's not he's not blowing up the stat sheet. But one thing that Carson Wentz is doing, and we talked about it earlier, is he's playing good game-managing football. He's not making mistakes uh, a whole lot. I mean, he, he's not throwing a million interceptions. Um, that last year in Philly was really rough. Doug Peterson clearly didn't believe in him, and he got traded, and that's fine. I think he's in a better place now. 
I think they're they're probably going to extend him over there in Indianapolis, and I wouldn't blame them because I think that that the, they're bringing these veteran quarterbacks, the the Carson Wentz's of the world. He's still young. He's got a lot of tread. I think he's 26, so mm-hmm. 27 years old. He's he's not real yep. old. When they brought in in Philip Rivers last season, and he was like 36, 37 years old, somewhere in there. So I I think that that Carson Wentz. He's got a lot of time left in him, a lot of football left in him, and they're going to extend him uh, over, over and, and he's going to be a great quarterback for them all the time. For as long as he's been in the league, you know, and he's only 26 now, I mean, just you know, 26 is when you really start getting into your prime. So maybe, maybe we're going to start seeing some real magic from Carson, uh, especially if he has the right coach under him. So it's going to be very encouraging and exciting to see. Actually, it's uh, he's 28, 28. 28. So- Prime. Still, yeah. Still, still, he's got like you said, he's got a lot of tread left on the tires. Yeah, got a, got a lot of football left in him, and, and he's been playing very well. I'm I'm impressed with Carson Wentz. I mean, he's he had uh, uh, let's see, he's got I'm, I'm looking at his five interceptions on the year versus 21 touchdowns. That's so not I, a bad ratio. That's not at good. all. And and all of those five interceptions were in three games. So he had two <laughs> last week, he had two against the Titans, and he had one against the Rams. There you so, go. I mean, he's playing really solid, strong football. I like it a lot. I like Carson Wentz. I think he's in a much better place and in a much better position uh, with the Colts. And and people are starting to get behind him and realize Carson Wentz is the real deal and that Philly may have made a mistake trading him. Okay. <laughs> it would be, wouldn't surprise me. Yep. Now, next up, you got the Dolphins just destroying the Panthers, 33-10. to 10. Dolphins have been digging their way out of the cellar for the last several weeks, mm-hmm. and they're they're on their way up. And one guy, you know, we we've been last week. Tyler and I were kind of laughing because we were we were praising Alabama quarterbacks that were having good <laughs> games, Mac Jones and and Tua Tungavailoa. Let me yeah. just there's there's two players I want to talk about in this in this game. Number one is Tua Tungavailoa, not a world beater by any means. Tyler and I didn't think he was a real deal, but the Dolphins' offense, what we learned on a, during a primetime game when Jacoby Brissett started and he was not playing well, Tua Tungabailoa comes in, and the Dolphins' offense hums with Tua in there. And there, there's just a different presence about him. And in this past game against, against a very good Panthers defense, Tua Tungabailoa goes 27 for 31 for... 230 yards and a touchdown. 27 for 31. Think about that. He only missed four out of 31 passes. But the other guy that blew my mind, and it was his biggest game of the year so far, Jalen Waddle. Nine receptions, 137 yards, and a touchdown. It's his like first really monster game of the year. I mean, it took him a while to get get that that you know moving, but he he was always getting targets. But they were always short targets. Like, he would come up with, like, 47 yards and 50 yards. He was nothing to write home about. I think this game right here solidified to the Dolphins and and to their fans that this is a true number one receiver, don't you? Yep. I mean, the numbers certainly seem to trend that way. I mean, you know, having having your first 100-yard game, uh, you know, of of the season uh, and of your rookie career, you know, with the with a team like the Dolphins, if you would have told me like 
even three or four weeks ago that the Dolphins would be in the position they were they are now, I'd tell you you're crazy. But I think the thing that's even more astounding is Carolina's uh, situation. Carolina was was poised to be one of the top teams in the I, I would say one or two teams in the NFC South. And ever since the you know, ever since the Sam Darnold breakdown, guess where they've been? They're they're, they're starting to hurdle towards the bottom. So yep. you know you know that one you know CMC's out for the season, so that doesn't help. Uh, but you know the, the the whole team seems to be falling apart at the seams. So part of this story, you know, has to be attributed to Carolina's downfall. Uh, and you know, props to Miami for taking advantage of it for sure. But I mean, it leads one to wonder, you know, what happened to Carolina? What you know, what's going on down there? Yeah, I've been I've been wondering what the what the hell is going on in Carolina. I think I think what we learned is that the offense in Carolina runs through it runs through CMC, mm-hmm. and when CMC went down, you know, it, it it became a mess right off the rip because you know the the Dolphins had no answers for anything. They they really did. They had they had no answers for for I, I, on offense, and I think Sam Darnold looked lost. Mm-hmm. And so obviously he's throwing interceptions like crazy. He he needed to have that 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 safety valve. He needed to have CMC there, and and he has weapons. He has DJ Moore. Yeah, I mean he has, he has weapons over there, and he still couldn't get it done. I think Sam Darnold obviously is cooked. He's done. I, mm-hmm. I think his basically over. And then they go out and get Cam Newton. Cam Newton looked horrible in this game, by the way. Five, oh, five for twenty-one. How is yeah, that? That's, that's Tim Tebow numbers. <laughs> like, yeah, that's, that's bad. That's that's Jamarcus Russell numbers. This, that, I mean, that's bad. So I mean, oh, so you told us you're back. Well, okay then. Uh, yeah. That was one game against Arizona, and uh, where are you now? <laughs> yeah, yeah, I, I'm I'm not completely sold on. Well, it was Washington last week, but I'm not I'm not sold on, on Cam, and uh, yeah, right now I, I was sold on him after after that one game. But I mean, after seeing what I saw, and the Dolphins' defense, by the way, has been phenomenal the last mm-hmm. year. They've been fantastic. Uh, next up, Broncos twenty-eight to thirteen over the Chargers. Um, you know, the Chargers are one of those bipolar teams right now. Right. One week they show up and they, they put up 34 points and they're, they're kicking the shit out of somebody. And then the next week they do this. And, and Justin Herbert, I mean, it's kind of like uh, made the league where he's uh, one day we'll figure out how to beat those guys. Justin Herbert has had problems with the doll or with the Broncos consistently throughout his entire tenure in the NFL. And, and the Broncos mm-hmm. seem to have all the answers for him. I don't know. I mean, both these teams are six and five. We already talked about the AFC West and how like teams are shifting, and a lot of these teams have have been sort of like allowing the Chiefs to get back into this thing. This right. division, in my but well, me and Tyler called the Chargers to win this division, mm-hmm. and right now, like they had they had the the Chiefs on their knees, done. Yep. Uh, and, Patrick Mahomes admitted that he couldn't read a defense. You know, and and the and they're starting to look like you know, oh, maybe that one season was just a fluke. Well, now they're back, and you know, Justin Herbert, you know, kind of being an off and on, off and on quarterback. True, I mean, you're gonna have situations where there's that one opponent every year you're facing twice a year, and they're the hard ones. Yeah. You know, but so if you want to be a you know a truly mercurial talent, 
a Hall of Fame talent in the NFL, you have to take those situations and rise above them. You know, Justin Herbert, you know, he does have the talent, but, you know, based on what we're seeing here and his struggles with Denver, you know, maybe that's something he'll have to come to terms with. Yeah, I mean, and a lot of a lot of guys going to the, you know, I, I'm not going to say this as a sophomore slump for him because it's not. He is doing better than he did last year. Chargers are still six and five. They're a game out of first. But the one thing, you know, like four weeks ago, we were talking about the Chiefs sitting at three and four at the yep. bottom of this division. Right now, the Chiefs they've won four straight. They're seven and four, and the Chargers are sitting at six and five. The Chargers had a commanding lead over this division, and and they gave it up. And you know, it, like I said, they're very bipolar. One week they show up and they're world beaters. The next week they show up and man, same goes for the Broncos. Broncos are in the same position, and and you know they they've got all kinds of. Uh, you know, one of the most frustrating things about the Broncos right now, they've got all kinds of trouble with running backs. They, and, and it's a good problem to have. It's not even trouble, I would say, but they've got this this pissing match thing going on between Melvin Gordon and Javante Williams. Who's going to be the lead back? Who's going to be the guy? Both guys play well. This week, we're going to wind up learning about Javante Williams a little more. But also, I think I don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the guy for Denver. I think Denver really needs to, you know, go out and draft a first-round quarterback. I just don't think Teddy Bridgewater is the guy. This past week, 11 for 18, 129, and a touchdown. Does it? it it's not just. It's just one of those things that doesn't light up a stat sheet. The 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 Broncos. I don't know. I I think they're they're a little too sold. And, and a lot of it has to do with, with uh, Patterson over there, the, the GM. You know, they're, they're too sold on, on Teddy Bridgewater because he's a former Viking and, pa- Viking, and Patterson comes from the Vikings as the former assistant GM. So I, I don't like Teddy Bridgewater over there, and really I don't think Teddy Bridgewater should be a starter. I think Tyler was, like, sold on him as, a you know, some type of, you know, world beater after his, his season last year with Carolina. I just don't buy him, do you? Well... You know, you only have you have two viable options at quarterback. You got Teddy Bridgewater. You got Drew Locke. I know you're not sold on Drew Locke either. I mean, you know, he's. You I know, was for a while. I'm yeah, for, was. <laughs> for you, you were sold on him for a while. Uh, okay, I, I think it was Tyler that wasn't sold I, on him. That's what I'm remembering. Yeah, but, Tyler Drew Locke. Now, now these days, obviously, I'm not sold on Drew Locke. But mm-hmm. um, but with with, Brid- with Bridgewater, it's like it's like you know he only went eleven for eighteen, you know one hundred twenty nine yards in the last game. Sure, he didn't get sacked, but you could just you can you can say that you know his offensive line protected him just enough. But with an eighty four point four quarterback rating, I mean that you know for the for the past game, you know it, it leads you to wonder. Okay, well how how's he been all year? You know if his average rating. You know, hovers in like the the top ni- the mid nineties or the low eighties, or the mid or the high eighties. <coughs> is that a long term solution? I don't think so, especially if you want to get to the Super Bowl. Um, so I, I don't think that you know, compared to all of the other quarterbacks in this league and and the talent that's coming up in this uh, in this next draft, which you know it's been said that you know quarterbacks are kind of a you know a, a bad crop in the draft compared to drafts past, but still. Uh, you know, Bridgewater, you know, isn't gonna isn't cutting the mustard, and uh, you always get a stud. You always end up with a stud. You know, they always we we talk about oh, it's you know, like the bad the last bad quarterback class was supposed to be the Carson Wentz Jared Goff combo, and mm-hmm. Jared Goff wound up playing in a Super Bowl. Carson Wentz wound up taking his team to a thirteen and three season that year. But then they they wound up going to 
Nick Foles, and then Nick Foles wound up winning the Super Bowl. But I, I think the Eagles would have been contenders um, with Carson Wentz, you know, at the helm there. You know, and, mm-hmm. and so really, I mean, they say bad quarterback class, and I say, eh, I don't know about that. Goff and Wentz, they turned out all right. A lot of people are yeah. giving off a hard time over there in Detroit right now. I don't think it's merit. But, you know, there's always quarterbacks that, that pop out of these supposed bad quarterback classes that turn out to be studs. And, and right, mm-hmm. I think that's kind of what we're looking at. We're, you know, yeah. we're going to see it. To me, I'm a big fan. I think his name is Caleb Strong, and I'm going to look further into these QBs. But I think Strong's the guy out of Nevada there. So, I mean, Mm -hmm. we're going to see down the line, but the Denver Broncos should be looking to either draft or trade for a quarterback. And Mm -hmm. there are plenty out there. I think Matt Ryan is on the table, and I think Kirk Cousins is on the table. I think both those guys are going to be high end, and I think Jimmy G is on the table. Yeah. And and we'll we'll get into that when, when we get into our news stories. But... You know, all these guys are on the table. We're going to see what goes on in this offseason, but I think the Broncos should should be looking for a different QB. Whether or not they do, we'll find out. Mm-hmm. Uh, speaking of the Vikings, Vikings go ahead and drop a heartbreaker to the Niners, 26-34. to um, mm-hmm. Kirk did not play good football in this game. Uh, Elijah, Mo- Elijah Mitchell, rather, he is a stud running back, isn't he, for the 49ers? I like him a lot. Well, I mean, if you put up twenty, if you put up one hundred three thirty-three yards for twenty-seven carries, I mean that goes. That's one thing to say. But you know, all 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 season long, you know, Elijah has been uh, you know an offensive weapon uh, for the 49ers. Uh, you know, you, and then you add the th- you add you know the wide receiver threat with Debo Samuel, and then you of course you have the the, the defensive threat with. Uh, Either Nick or Joey Bosa. I keep forgetting which Bosa brother is on there, but you know, you get Bosa on defense. You know, you have a complete team in San Francisco, yeah. and uh, with uh, you know, with Elijah Mitchell there, you know, they're only they're they're going to continue to make that strong push. You know, to they're they're sitting at six and five, but you know, like you said, this this has been like a game of all the close. You know, San Francisco is probably two or three great games. From getting, you know, from getting into Arizona's, uh, you know, you know, nipping in Arizona's heels. Yeah, and, and one thing about about 49ers is they've been playing a lot of ball control football. That's what happened in this game. They ran the ball effectively. They did the same thing against the Rams, and now they're doing it against the Vikings. They're just run, playing ball control football. Nothing crazy. And, and one thing, the, the one big stat that I, I want to point out here is the stats of Debo Samuel. Because on top of Elijah Mitchell, um, you know, putting up the 133 yards, Debo Samuel is a wide receiver. I want to make mm-hmm. that—he is a wide receiver. Debo Samuel on the day he had one receiver for 12 yards. Okay, on the other end, he had six rushing attempts for 66 yards and two touchdowns. Yeah. <laughs> so, <laughs> so like, yeah. So like, okay, are we seeing a running back in the creation here? I mean, what is there anything this guy can't do? You know, I, I know I, you've you've sung his praises for years. Uh, you know, I have. I, I think Debo Samuel was the best best receiver to come out of that class. But one thing about um, one thing about Debo Samuel is uh, the Niners have this way. Kyle Shanahan has this way of using him in a, a way that is is with these swings and slants, and he still uses him as a receiver and and all this other good stuff, and that's great. He is just—he is legitimately like I. We joke about the offensive weapon designation because a lot of that had to do with Jimmy Graham wanting to get an offensive weapon contract 
a few years ago. We remember that, and we all kind of joked about offensive weapons. So anytime we see a player doing what Debo Samuel's doing or Cordero Patterson's doing, we, we, we just kind of joke about it because it's like, oh, God, offensive weapon, give him that contract, you know, and, and the NFL mm-hmm. kind of denied uh, Jimmy Graham the offensive weapon contract uh, when, when it did go down. But that's kind of what, what – um, Debo Samuel is to the Niners, it, whether or not we joke about it, it, it's still funny. I think he's he's the most, he's probably the best player they have, but Elijah Mitchell and him as a team together, as long as Debo is healthy, I think the 49ers are, are going to win some healthy games here. And and Elijah Mitchell is, is as long as, in another, again, another situation, he broke his finger earlier this year, injured his finger, and then he still goes out. He's he, He's been running around with his finger for three weeks now still putting up huge numbers so i like whether where the 49ers are trending i think they're they're definitely moving in the right direction with him uh, i think they do need a number two receiver because brandon Ayuk, to in my opinion is not the guy i'm not a big fan of brandon Ayuk, and i don't think jimmy g is the quarterback for this team i think they do need to find another quarterback but so, does that mean trey lance is their guy going forward or and, should they get somebody else and that might very well be I, I think they're still really hot on trey lance but i don't think trey lance played that well at the beginning of the season but we'll see but the niners are training in the right direction and on the other side you got the minnesota vikings look i want to be clear about this mm-hmm. the minnesota vikings mike zimmer needs to go but <laughs> kubiak needs to go and kirk cousins needs to be traded Kirk yep. does not do well under pressure. He yep. doesn't. He can't make off-schedule plays. He 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 is a, a scripted kind of guy. And when mm-hmm. the Vikings, you know, when they open up a football game, their scripted plays are phenomenal to start the game. But after they get done with that script of those first 20 plays, they got nothing. And you see all of this, this bubble screen behind the line of scrimmage stuff. And you see all these check down Charlie Kirk Cousins. <laughs> It's it's mm-hmm. nonsense. It's nonsense. And the Vikings, you know, they they need to get and they need to get a new center. I think Garrett Bradbury is a wash now. I mean, I thought he was going to be great coming out of the draft. He's turned out to be just trash. Yeah. I mean, they they need a new center. And and one thing that's really pissing me off: why are you not starting Wyatt Davis at guard? Why? Why is Wyatt Davis a healthy scratch every week? This kid was a sixth-round guy that you, or he was projected to go first round. You got him in the second round. He's a former All-American. He's he's a, a a top guard on all of NCAA football. Why is Wyatt Davis a healthy scratch every single week? It's nonsense. And instead, you're over here starting Ali Udo on the line. Why are we starting Ali Udo? Ali Udo has been trash all year long, all year. I mean, let, let's look at the numbers for Ali Udo. I mean, really, because because he's been pushed around, he's been beat up, and and I, I mean, fifty eight point two overall. He's got a forty four pass blocking grade according to Pro Football Focus. He's tied for second in the league in most penalties. He has twelve. It's insanity. <clears throat> this guy is not an offensive guard. He's not a starting guard. And you have Wyatt Davis as a healthy scratch every week. The Ohio State a guard, you should be starting him at right guard. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. The Vikings, uh, there, there's a lot of problems with this football team. They need an offensive-minded coach. They need a new quarterback. And if I, if I, you know, P. 
people, there's a lot of Kirk stands out there. Oh, and they're, they're going to they're gonna point to the numbers. Oh, look at all these numbers. Look at all these numbers. I can go and do, do a deep dive into the numbers, too, if you want me to. And I have in the past, where we talk about average depth of target and how Kirk Cousins, his average depth of target in certain games has been below five yards. We've talked about this stuff. Kirk Cousins is just not the player for this team. I don't think he is. I don't think he's – and he can be a starting quarterback maybe for San Fran. Maybe he'll be a starting quarterback, and I think that would be a good fit for him, to be honest with you. Maybe he'll be a good starting quarterback with Pittsburgh. I mean, who knows? But what I see is a quarterback that's getting paid too much money. I see a quarterback that we're about to be paying $45 million a year that you could trade and save $35 million against your cap and, and yeah. justify what you got in the Matt Stafford trade. And Tyler, <laughs> Tyler's one of those guys where because it's me and because it's the Vikings – He's going to lowball the shit out of the offer. Tyler likes to, he's a, he's a button pusher kind of guy. I love the guy to death. He just likes to push my buttons. And you know it, and I know it. Yep. He does. So, you know, when I talk about this Kirk Cousins trade thing, Tyler goes, oh, I think you could get a first and a fourth for him. And I'm like, <laughs> Matt Stafford just went for a, a Super Bowl playing quarterback and two first rounders. Don't give me that shit. Because <laughs> Kirk Cousins has outperformed Matt Stafford every year. For, for the last four or five years now. So yep. it's like, I don't want to hear that. If you trade Kirk Cousins, you're at least getting two firsts. And if you get anything less, that GM deserves to be fired at that yep. point. But you know, well, you, he's already on the hot seat to begin with, you know, right. him and Mike Zimmer, you know. Yeah, uh, you've, been, you've been busting their balls all year. Yeah, Rick Spielman needs to be fired at that point if he can't get two firsts for him. So I'm just going to throw that out there. But for the trade value for Kirk Cousins... It's trade time for him this offseason. Save the $35 million, yeah. get a draft pick for this year and next year, first-rounders, and I'm cool. And yeah. go out and draft your first-round quarterback. Go out and draft your first-round receiver. Trade Adam Thielen. Get picks for him. Go and get a Chris Olave. Go get a Garrett Wilson. I'd be all about that life. Yep. Hey, Dalvin Cook, because Dalvin Cook is hurt constantly. And I know that that's an unpopular opinion. A lot of people are going to go, oh, Dalvin Cook, Dalvin Cook, you know, he's great. You know what? As good as Dalvin Cook is, one of the biggest issues with Dalvin Cook is reliability and him mm-hmm. getting the field and not being injury prone. The guy has to be healthy. So if Dalvin Cook cannot be healthy, then he should not be on the field and you should not have him under a big contract. Save the cap space. Dalvin Cook to somebody is worth a minimum of a first-round pick. For sure. Go ahead and get yourself Kenneth Walker and and rebuild your team younger. I would love to see a Michigan State running back like Kenneth Walker come walking onto a Viking, onto a, on a you know, U.S. Bank Stadium field and, and just have a, a great fucking time. Because you know Kenneth Walker is going to tear it up in the NFL. I know he's going to tear it up in the NFL. He is, to, in my opinion, he's the next Jonathan Taylor. Okay. That's that's. What that's I, that's that's a pretty bold pick there, Cotton. Yep. But I, I'm with you. I'm with you. Yeah, I, I think he is. And and so, if if we really want to get down to the nitty gritty here, I think we're we're talking about the Vikings having. And and it's not if if they do that, it becomes a soft reset. It doesn't become a full blown destroy everything reset. Yeah, that no, is right. a, a, that becomes a soft reset for them because they get their quarterback in the future, they get their running back in the future, and they get their number two receiver behind Justin Jefferson. 
And and those two, both those Ohio State receivers, whether it be Olave, mm-hmm. whether it be Wilson, they're possession receivers, much like Adam Thielen. And I think Olave is the better pick. I think he's going to be, you know, top 10. And even if you get, you know, if you do get a first and a third for Kirk, great. Get a first for this year. Start rebuilding your football team. Because yeah, this well, is the time. Olave is, you know, did, you know, I'd have to get back into the game to find out if he played better than Wilson. He certainly had more touches and more attempts uh, in the Michigan game. So, uh, you know, that that's that, uh, you know, supports your uh, theory of he's the better pick. You know, well, it's going to be interesting to see where both those guys end up. Right. And and I'm excited for that. Those guys are two of the most exciting players in the draft, in my opinion. I I think those guys are going to be awesome. Now, moving on from my my Vikings TED talk here, um, (laughs) the Rams go ahead and lose a heartbreaker to the Packers. Rams have been on the downturn hard. Matt Stafford has been having a little bit of a rough go. Um, the Rams have lost, I think it's three out of their last four. I mean, just a rough That's go. Of Packers go up to nine and three. Rams drop to seven and four. They're now two games behind first in their division. Are the Rams in trouble here, or do you think they turn it off late? Well, uh, you know, it depends on uh, what the rest of their schedule is. You know, I'm, I'm going to go take a quick peek here, but it's definitely not a good thing to, to once again prove that Aaron Rodgers is better than Matthew Stafford. I mean, you know, every 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 week, every two every year that he's had a Lions uniform instead of across from him, you know, Rodgers has been the better quarterback. So, you know, as much of an ad, as much of a, a dickhead, if I can say that, as Rodgers has been on and off the field, you cannot deny that he's had you know, put up the better stats. Stafford year. Stafford on the other hand, you know, he's had he's having his best year, you know, you know, being freed from the shackles of Detroit, if I'm gonna go ahead and say that. But if if they're if they're next so the loss the, the, the Rams have the Jaguars, the Cardinals and the Seahawks. So they're going they're they're finishing off the end the they're gonna be finishing off the NFC West loop. You know, on the 19th, so they should win against the Jaguars, but the Cardinals are really going to really going to make them work for that victory. Um, and Russ Wilson, I would not count him out despite his poor play. So he and he, you know they have a pretty tough schedule for the rest of the, for the rest of the week for the rest of the year. So I would say that it's put up or shut up time for Sean McVay, Matt Stafford, and the and the Los Angeles Rams. If they want to make the playoffs, you know, I, th- I think they need to dust off, you know, whatever problems they're going through. Yeah, I think they have a lot more receiver issues than anything. Uh, Cooper mm-hmm. Cup, had, he's been such a good player for them, but without Robert Woods, this team struggles. And I think Van Jefferson, weirdly enough, it's funny because we we I dumped on Jan, Van Jefferson in, in fantasy. Now that Robert Woods has gone down, Van Jefferson has actually, you know, they even with them picking up Odell Beckham, Jefferson has actually been the number two there. It's kind of a next man up situation, um, but I I think this team is is wildly different without a guy like Robert Woods on the field, and I think mm-hmm. it's a, a rough go for the Rams. They're gonna, <laughs> and and to to your point, I think they do have a tough schedule, but I will say that even though the Seahawks and Russ Wilson are three and eight, and yes, I think Russ Wilson is competitive. I think that hand issue may be affecting mm-hmm. us a lot more than we thought. Um, and, and over on the other side with the Packers, Aaron Rodgers is doing all this to his credit, even though I think he's an asshole yep. for, for his vaccination stuff. He's doing all this with a broken toe. 
Mm-hmm. Let's let's just make that clear. This guy is doing all of what he's doing with a broken fucking toe, and and it, for him to be able to do that, I, I think is just out outrageously impressive. You cannot deny his talent, but you also cannot deny his arrogance. Yeah, yeah, that's basically what it is. And and uh, I hate Aaron Rodgers. I've I've hated him for a long time. Not just because he's a great player, but because you can tell he's kind of an arrogant dick. And uh, <laughs> but but I can't. You can't deny his talent. And and he's he's doing wonderful things over there for Green Bay and and him and Devontae Adams. I mean Green Bay oh. and, and we, we saw earlier this year when Aaron Rodgers was out, Jordan Love came in. Green Bay doesn't really have much of a future when Aaron Rodgers goes either. So we'll see if Green Bay and how desperate they become to try and retain him. But <clears> I don't I don't think Rodgers is gonna want to stick around. Right. Next up the, the Sunday night game, Ravens a real tight one against the Browns, man. Yeah. Oh my gosh, Lamar was <laughs> rough. Um, mm-hmm. The night, I, I mean, just a, it was a defensive battle. The Browns couldn't get anything going. Defense, defensive battle or offensive struggle? <laughs> I, a little bit of both. A little bit of both here. I, I, I mean, Lamar, twenty for thirty-two. He had four picks on the day. He only threw one touchdown. I mean, rushing wise is is where the the um, the, the Ravens, you know, that was their bread and butter. And I think Mark Andrews had himself a really good game in this. And then on the other side, I mean, Baker Mayfield, only a 48% completion percentage. He didn't throw any picks, but Baker Mayfield has not looked good for the Browns this year. Do you think Baker Mayfield is is basically cooked at this point? Do you think the Browns need to start seeking out their next... Uh, if the, he's not well done at this point, he's on his way there. Yeah, uh, he, he's I mean, like sober Johnny Manziel, isn't he? <laughs> That, that when I saw that the other day, I'm like, perfect. That's yeah, exactly that's, what that's it is. The best <laughs> analogy I could have ever heard. Um, yep. And Lamar, I mean, obviously, and, and Lamar has come out saying there's no excuse, but still the Ravens did get it done against the Browns. Um, I, I, do you think the Ravens are on the fast track to win this division, or do you think they're going to have a, a tough go? Uh, do you, I think the Bengals are are going to – this is going to come down – this is one of those divisions right now where I'm seeing it. It's going to come down to last game of the year, uh-huh. Bengals versus Ravens. I see it on the horizon, and I'm totally here for it because yeah. I'd love to see – and really I'd love to see the, the – the urine running down Tyler's leg as as the Bengals trounce the, the the Ravens again, like they did earlier on this year, don't you? <clears throat> yeah, as well. They do have the they're rounding out the NFC, the rest of the AFC North. Uh, the, the 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 day after Christmas is the day we're going to be looking for because that's their that's their date with the Bengals. Right. So uh, they got they got another game with the Steelers, you know, this coming Sunday. Then they have the Browns. Then they have the Packers. Then they have the Bengals. You know, after Christmas. And then it's the Rams and the Steelers again. So it's a pretty tough schedule, but um, with the talent that the Ravens have, if Lamar Jackson can pull his head out of his rear and, you know, not repeat the crappy performance he had this week, you know, there's definitely a shot of them winning, uh, more than a shot of them winning this division. But Cincinnati's going to be nipping at their heels the whole way. So it, I think it's right. I mean... <clears throat> The winner between the Ravens and the Bengals uh, the day after Christmas may very well determine uh, where, which direction the division is going to go. Yeah, I'm with you there. I think I think whoever wins that game wins the division, and mm-hmm. I'm I'm gonna go go as bold as that. There, I, I think whoever wins that game, they will win the AFC North. And and right now, you know, deep down, you know, I'm kind of hoping it's the Bengals because I I really just you know 
want to see Tyler sad, but, but that's, right. as one of my best friends, he is, we have such a competitive relationship. And oh yeah. It's fantastic. But mm. at the end of the day, you know, I, this is the Ravens division to lose. Right they're eight and three, right. you know, they're in great shape. So in yeah. a very top heavy conference on top of it. Just a quick segue here. Uh, speaking of competitive friendships, uh, there is going there. We do have some. In, I do have some insights on uh, the Lions' uh, contest with the Vikings this coming Sunday. More on that in a little bit. Yeah, we'll talk about bit. that when we go into our our schedule. I'm excited for that. By the way, I'm 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 totally stoked. Uh, and also Monday Night Football, our last game, seventeen to fifteen. Washington defeats the Seahawks. Taylor Heineke getting it mm-hmm. done once again. You've been I, high on him all year. You know, I've been high on Tyler Taylor Heineke since he he uh, showed up last year uh, in the playoffs. I've been excited about him for a while. He gets it done. Um, 17-15 Washington. Uh, in Washington, in the hunt. I mean, we, five and six, I get it. They're under 500, but they're another one of those five and six teams. People are mm-hmm. talking about them. They're on the upswing. Antonio Gibson has been looking really good for them. Gotta like what they're doing, and you know, scary Terry McLaurin. You know, he's he's been uh, Heineke's favorite target. Uh, he he hasn't been getting as many touches as we normally see, but they're getting some players back here in Washington. They're getting Terry McLaurin, that, who's been playing hot. They just got Logan Thomas back. Gotta be excited for that. You know, Washington is a good football team. Um, whether or not anybody wants to admit it, I think they're a good a good football team. I think right now, uh, most people would argue that they're middle of the road, and I would be inclined to agree with it. But mm-hmm. a few pieces away from being legitimately scary. Um, so you got to like what what they've got, and and I'm pretty pretty stoked for the Washington football team. And also <clears throat> on the other end, the Seahawks. I think they're cooked. Mm-hmm. I do. I think they're cooked. Seahawks have been struggling to get DK Metcalf the football. Right. I, I mean, think Russ Wilson has have is having more of a hand issue than we understood, don't you? Yeah, I mean, it all you know, I mean, it all started with the Geno Smith thing. Oh, Geno Smith's doing really good this game, and then the next game he just bottoms out. Yeah. So, uh, you know, things have just been gone absolutely sideways since the hand injury. I mean, Russell Wilson still is one of the most mobile quarterbacks in the league. You know, um, he's he's been mobile since the day he got there. Uh, so I, I would say that I would rely on his uh, maneuverability and his feet, you know, to carry his team. I mean, I don't know if they're going to make the playoffs necessarily because that NFC West, I mean, is you know one of the most competitive divisions uh, in football right. because they're sitting at, they're sitting at three and eight. They're on the bottom. I mean, <clears throat> barring a Christmas miracle, you know, they're not going to make the playoffs, but they definitely could play spoiler. So you don't want you don't want to take them you know you, you you still want to take them seriously, but as far as you know you know getting into the playoffs, yeah, I mean you give you give them a couple of more weeks you give them a couple more weeks in the oven and they're done. Yeah, I th- I think they've got about two more games, and and we're gonna stop talking about Seattle and and you know to be honest with you I'm kind of like thank God because <laughs> the Hawks have been have been backing their way into the playoffs repeatedly in that wild card spot. I'm not gonna say backing their way in, but I mean. They've been ten and six, five seed. You know, we'll, we'll go in at eleven and five in the five seed. You know, they're they're just that on the cusp team. And I don't. They, well, they, every now and then they'd win a division and whatever, but they've been like barely keeping themselves relevant for a while. And and that's kind of what we've been seeing out of Seattle. Now, I mean, I think I think the wheels finally fell off. Finally, <laughs> you know, we've been waiting for it like 
when is Seattle not going to make the playoffs? Tyler and I have been talking about, like, my God, last year we thought they weren't going to make the playoffs. And here they right. were, like, in the playoffs. And we're, we're both going, when the when? hell is – Well – You know, they, it's not like they had anybody great. They had DK mm-hmm. and had Lockett and they had Wilson, and those were three great players. But then their, their defense went to hell in a handbasket. We're, we're a far cry from, from Legion of Boom. Yeah, I mean, that, that's dead in the You know, so mm-hmm. – at this stage, I'm like, ah, I don't, I don't know how I feel about it. Uh, and and now they finally the wheels. I was waiting for this moment, and here we are. It's a little later than we thought, but wheels fell off. They're not going to make the playoffs. I think they're. Well, and, and well, I I would say I say give them a couple weeks in the oven because their schedule is a little light. I mean, they have the Texans, the Bears, and the Lions. You know, not you know, so they have three games in the hook for sure. L.A. Rams, you know, that's I think that's their prove-it game. You know, Jimmy G and the 49ers, uh, Trey Lance and the 49ers may give them some headaches, but that but their last game of the season is against the Red Hot Cardinals, and that's just not good news for anybody in the Seattle organization. I think that, I think that equals three losses immediately. I, mm-hmm. I don't think they're going to give um, San Fran trouble, and, and frankly, I don't think they're going to give uh, – um, Stafford you know, trouble, and I don't think they're going to give the Cardinals trouble. I think oh, Car- the Cardinals are walking away with that game. Yeah, I, I think I think that that equals out to three losses for them. They're going to wind up with eleven losses on the year. We're talking about a six and eleven football team, and they're mm-hmm. not they're not going to be in the playoff discussion at that point. And, and so, yeah, you know, it'll be good night, good night, Irene. Absolutely. So, but uh, with that, Alex, those are our scores for Week 12 in the in the NFL. With that, I want to go ahead and take a quick break, and then I want to jump in with Tyler's Top 10, Freytown's Forgotten 5. We'll jump into uh, our news around the league, our, our rookie rankings, and we've also got, uh, um, we've also got our, uh, our predictions for the, the week. So we'll jump right into those. I've got Tyler's. Tyler actually sent me his for, for everything. So he's working on vacation. So uh, we're going well, we to, we can give him credit for that. Yeah, I can at least give him credit for that, but we're going to go ahead and, and uh, take a quick break and we'll be right back right here on the outside blitz. At it's your time massage. You get all the benefits of one of the larger massage chain parlors, but in a more intimate and personal setting with four years experience, massage therapist and owner Amanda Yata's goal is to help people in a natural way, offering Swedish deep tissue pregnancy, aromatherapy, and sports massages. You will feel better and have more energy in just one hour. It's Your Time Massage is offered in-home, Amanda's or yours, with the rates ranging from $55 to $130. You get professional quality at an affordable rate. Contact Amanda today at 313-686-4347 or online at iytmassage.com. It's Your Time Massage, a natural way to improve your well-being. Welcome back to the Outside Blitz. I'm your boy Cannonball Alex Steele filling in for the tenacious titillating Tyler Dean. See, I can I can tell that that we're with a serious pro because, you know, <laughs> unlike Tyler, you remember your cue and Absolutely. I don't have to just jump in. 
<laughs> maybe this might be a, a thing in the future. Who knows? You know, for somebody who doesn't yeah, know anything about that's, football, that's, <laughs> gotta bust Tyler's balls a little bit. You know, and, yeah. and, and we, I, with hopes that he's gonna listen and and you know hear me just you know giving him a hard time. We love um, you, buddy. Yeah, we love him. He just uh, I gotta bust his balls. Um, so we have, uh, uh, something that I'm going to, I'm going to jump into, I'm going to be presenting it this week. So I, I, it, it, it's sort of Freytown's top 10, but it's time for a little segment we like to call Tyler's top 10. Tyler's top 10. And, uh, Alex, I've got, uh, Tyler sent me his, his 10, uh, top performances from week 12 in the NFL. And uh, I'm going to jump right in, starting with number 10, uh, John Franklin Myers, uh, the defensive end from New York, he, from the Jets, uh, six total tackles, two tackles for a loss, two QB hits, an interception, and one pass defended. Huge game for him. Mm-hmm. This is a guy that is, has been something of a journeyman, and he's been bouncing around the league a little bit, and, and now he finds his, his uh, home. Franklin Myers had himself a hell of a game here. I I loved what he did. Um, really a solid defensive performance and something that the Jets sorely needed. Am I right? Absolutely. You know, you know, in in a franchise where you know it's you you've had the ridiculous loss against Washington earlier in the season, and you're a fan base that you know wants the head of Joe Judge and Jason Garrett and oh, Jay, Dave Gettleman. You know, it's not the Giants. Oh the, oh, the Jets, my bad. <laughs> <laughs> so, okay. So anyway, even though a team that's been plagued with, uh, you know, just bad luck and horrible seasons, it's nice to know that there's somebody on defense uh, that they can step it up and get the job done. Yeah, we're talking about three and eight football team. Mm-hmm. So I, I think that that is, uh, that is you know, that, that says something. And they've, even with the, the defensive players that they brought in, they brought in CJ Mosley and whatnot. And CJ Mosley hasn't panned out, but John Franklin Myers, you know, I, I think he, he is a, a solid edge rusher for them. And, um, you know, he's, he's technically a defensive tackle, but they've been playing him on the edge. So he's been having himself a, a really good year so far. Um, and, and you got to like what he's doing at number nine, T Higgins, from the Cincinnati Bengals, the wide receiver, he had six receptions for 114 yards and a touchdown. He had one of those was a big bomb from Joe Burrow, and he almost caught it with ease. This is the type of stuff I was talking about with T. Higgins. Is you a guy that you know when he was drafted and when we went into the draft last year, I or uh, two years ago rather, I talked about him as being one of my favorite receivers in that draft because I thought he was just such a big bodied guy, a big bodied possession receiver that can go out and, and, you know, have those physical battles to go up and get contested catches. And we got to finally see it like, like for a while they were using little short passes and whatnot in traffic. No, you can have him go out and and make those contested uh, catches and, and really be a big target for Joe Burrow. And that's what he's turning into. And I love it. I don't think they really have a need for Tyler Boyd outside of a depth position. I think T Higgins should be the number two over there in Cincinnati up behind Jamar Chase. Don't you? I think that's a, uh, that's a very solid argument, you know, seeing as Jamar Chase is probably getting enough attention from defenses where it's like, okay, we got to double cover this guy. we got to triple cover this guy. Well, then, you know, you got T Higgins in the back who I believe, uh, correct me if I'm wrong. Uh, T Higgins and, uh, was teammates with 
uh, was he with Clemson or, or Louisiana? Louisiana. I'm not. I don't remember. But I know. I know that uh, there's some familiarity there. Uh, but yeah, I mean, even Higgins, even without that, go ahead. T. Higgins was Clemson. He went Clemson overall to the to the uh, Bengals um, in the 2020 draft. Right. So, uh, you know, you know, Lawrence obviously went to Jacksonville. So, I mean, that bond is lost. But, you know, but but having that Clemson pedigree and having been having played with Trevor Lawrence, you know, that certainly helped. But, you know, he's coming into his own here. So right. absolutely, he should be the number two. Yeah, I, I, I do think he should be the number two. And, and uh, you know, they've been primarily using Tyler Boyd as the number two over there. Mm-hmm. I think T. Higgins is the better player. And I think he's developing right. into, a, into a better player. I mean, the, I, the, like, the statistics certainly point to it. I mean, yeah. uh, you know, he, he's, he's, he's getting a 13 yards per catch. He's yards per catch. He's right. got, he's looking at, at three touchdowns right now. He's got, I, I mean, I like what 30, 43, 43 catches for 560 yards. Well, Tyler, you know, Tyler Boyd, you know, it's, it's a little bit lower. Right. You know, granted circumstances may be different here and there, but you know, but the numbers seem to point to that to that trend. Yeah. I, I, some people, sometimes we're, we're looking at certain players and they're, they're um, like Tyler Boyd, for example, I think like coaches kind of prefer that veteran presence. And sometimes I think that, that it's just, it's not always the best course of action. So mm-hmm. to me, I, I just, I think T Higgins should be the number two in Cincinnati. I think yeah, that's a hundred percent, you know, where they need to go. Uh, number eight, Dontrell Hilliard. Um, a guy that, that I, you're kind of, you, you should be excited about anyway, from a fantasy perspective, Dontrell Hilliard, 12 carries 131 yards and a touchdown has a huge game for the Titans. Um, uh, and one of them was a, a monster carry for, for over 80 yards, um, with, on the touchdown Dontrell Hilliard. I mean, as a backup, you got to like what he did. Um, not much to know about the guy. To be honest with you, he's he's pretty much a nobody, but he he did have himself a decent game, especially on twelve carries. It's a pretty high average, you know. Obviously, sure. it's kind of a big bang play. I want to see if Dontrell Hilliard. And I don't think they're going to start him this week either. I, I I think they were going in a different direction. But to me, the guy, I I don't know if he could be a starter, but I would like to just see a, a bigger sample size to see what we get. I'm but sure. You mean, well, the injury with uh, uh, Derrick Henry has certainly uh, given. Dontrell that that opportunity and you know obviously when when King Henry comes back you know he's just going to put on that bulldozer alpha just bulldoze everybody in front of him but Dontrell you know having you know having that average of 10.9 yards uh per carry in that last game I mean the 80 yard carry helps I mean when you see those long yards it's like wow that you know you see something special so it'll be interesting to see you know if Dontrell Hurd can can continue to be like, okay, could he be the number two, or is he going to be the number three behind Dante Foreman? Um, I, I mean, believe this, they are set. I believe they are set to start Dante Foreman this week, in spite of Hilliard's uh, performance. But uh, yeah, I, I mean, the the guy. If if you see some guy that that is doing what he's doing, I mean, 131 yards on 12 carries. Is, I mean, that that's. I, I would consider starting Hillier just to, you know, obviously he's got the hot hand. Mm-hmm. I would consider starting him just to give right. him a shot. Why not? I mean, the guy's been all over the league. Give him a shot. He's 26 years old. Mm-hmm. Sure. I mean, aren't, aren't the Titans on by this week? 
I, I believe I believe they are because my fantasy have told me that Dante Foreman was on by. So that's, that's the only reason I ask. But regardless, I mean, whether they're playing this week or next, I mean, the 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 uh, it still stands. I believe they should give they give they should give this kid the, this guy the opportunity to continue to to go on an upward trend. Yeah, I agree with you. I agree with you one hundred and ten percent. So I mean, it, and we'll we'll see how how he continues. Yeah, you are right. They are on the bye this week. So. Um, next up, you've got at, at number seven, you got Elijah Mitchell, 27 carries, 33 yards in the touchdown. We talked about Elijah Mitchell already. He's the he's the new starter, right? Do you think he's beaten out um he's beaten out all the other uh running backs over there in, in San Fran? And well, I mean, if Debo Samuel can keep up with him, maybe they'll have a number two. But uh other than that, yeah, Elijah Mitchell is the guy there. You know, uh, I don't think they don't I don't think they have anybody else uh in the rushing department as far as i can see so yeah i mean just he he's the guy right now yeah i i think a, a lot of folks you know are were they see that guy and they're they're like you know um it, 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 they have raheem mostert right now on ir so we we do have to remember raheem mostert is there i think right now and i said it last week and i'll say it again I think he's beaten out Raheem Mostert for that number one job because of the fact that, you know, and it's like I always talk about, um, we, we talk about durability and availability and reliability. And Raheem Mostert has been so injury prone. I think this is Elijah Mitchell's team now. And and I think they found their, their big name starting running back and he's a young guy and they're going to be able to keep him for the long term. Um, so I, I think Raheem Mostert has lost this team as far as being the top running back. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. Next up, number six, another guy we talked about, Jalen Waddle, nine receptions, 137 yards, and a touchdown. His first really, truly big number one game of the year. Gotta love what Jalen Waddle did. Do you think this continues, or do you think this was a one-off against a, a shoddy team? Well, it's it's tough to say. I mean, you know, this you know rook, rookie wide receivers, you know, in general. I mean, <clears throat> unless you see it like early on. You know, it's like, okay, we're not, we're not sure what it's going to be like, but I'm going to go ahead and, and uh, put some faith on Jalen Waddell and say, yes, this continues to be an upward trend, and he starts becoming a mercurial talent in Miami. Uh, you know, they'll have, they'll have you know, a future wide receiver on their hands, and uh, you know, it, they'll be in a good spot to possibly, you know, make a push to the playoffs uh, in, in years to come and seasons to come. Yeah, I think Jalen Waddell, is, he deserves to be the number one over there, and he's proven it. And one, like, I feel, I almost felt bad for the guy for a minute because, you know, there, there were so many occasions throughout, um, his tenure so far where, you know, Devonte Parker would come back and Devonte Parker would be the number one and Jalen Waddle would suffer and his, his stat line would suffer and his touches would suffer. And then you get, you get, um, you know, uh, uh, God, his name, uh, Will Fuller, Will Fuller would come back and Will Fuller would be the number one and Jalen Waddle would wind up taking you know, that back seat and be the second fiddle. I think they, they finally realized Jalen Waddle is the true number one there. And, and this game, I think solidified it. I think you're right. I believe moving forward, they're going to use him as a number one guy as they should, as mm-hmm. they should, he deserves to be the number one guy. So yeah, I I'm going, I'm with you there. I think Jalen Waddle is the guy that they should be utilizing. Mm-hmm. Um, Next up, number five, Cordero Patterson, 16 carries, 108 yards. He had two touchdowns, a 6.75 average. Patterson had himself one hell of a game. Um, 
love what he's been doing over there in Atlanta. He had a game off because he was hurt. Now he's back. He, he's just been really solid at the running back position. If you would have told me two, three years ago that Cordero Patterson, the, the big-time kick returner, and that was about it. And the wide receiver bust that that he came out as, you know, that I mean, really all he became was a kick returner. Um, if you would have told me that he would have been a number one running back on any football team, I would have told you you're nuts. But as it turns out, here we are, Cordero Patterson, number one running back in Atlanta. Um, do you think this continues year over year? Or do you think Atlanta goes out and finds themselves like a they, true running back? Well, I think... Th- I think that um, if I was if I was to have a, a you know just bet with my gut here, I would think that Atlanta would want to try to reach out and find an actual running back. But right. having their backs against the wall like this, you know, and and discovering Cordell Patterson's uh, talent and having the game he had last week, you know, they should at least pay attention to it, you know, and and give him a solid opportunity at number two at the very least. Uh, you know, and maybe even give him an opportunity. Okay, you want this number one spot? Prove it, and we'll put this rookie at number two, and we'll see if you can keep these numbers up. I mean, I think uh, the interesting you- thing about Cordero Patterson is he comes from a wide receiver background, so mm-hmm. he doesn't have that running back build. He's a speed, mm-hmm. speed which we know, but I want to see about his durability. That yeah. that's my one big question. Patterson doesn't suffer a lot of injuries, and he hasn't throughout his career, but. One thing I will say is that wide receivers shifting to that running back position, you know, we saw it with Ty Montgomery a few years back, you know, the, the Packers did it. And then he became a running back for other teams as well. I want to see if, if Patterson's body can hold up running backs Mm -hmm. usually have a shelf life of about eight years, but being a wide receiver versus a running back, it's totally different. And it's totally different building your body in that way. Yeah. You still got a football body, but you, you got to be ready to be able to to take those hits and and play in the trenches and all of those things. And I want to see if Cordero Patterson can do that. And yep. we'll, we'll find out in the future if, if Atlanta does intend to keep him on as a running back moving forward. We'll see if he gets an extension and we'll see if they do keep him on. But there's questions there. There's still questions there as far as Cordero Patterson goes. But, hey, good on him for for being as good as he's been this season. So For sure. We'll, now, uh, number four, Dak Prescott. 32 for 47, 375 yards, two touchdowns, big game on Thanksgiving. Um, You know, it it was a tough loss for the Cowboys, but Dak Prescott doing Dak Prescott things. um, We, I I still don't believe that he's worth the money that they're paying him, especially because his foot got turned on backwards last year. Right. (laughs) But at the end of the day, he still is playing really solid football. Uh, for the Cowboys and getting it done. He has a lot of good weapons over there. And, uh, you know, a tough loss, but, hey, you know, on to the next, right? And he he did pick up a, a really solid win on Thursday Night Football this past week against a very game Saints defense. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Dak Prescott, I mean, are are you with me here on the contract issue? or or? Yeah, I mean, we, we've talked about it for quite some time now that you know, we used to joke around that he wasn't going to be worth the $40 million he was asking for. We thought he was nuts for asking that. Um, you know, having his ankle turned around sideways did not help things. But I will tell you that he was very motivated uh, when he returned to Cowboy Stadium. That game where he was, you know, you know, just listening to the national anthem and, you know, tears were running down his face. He was emotional. He cared about that moment. 
So, you know, there's no denying his passion, but as far as his, uh, ability, you know, no denying his ability, but his value, um, you know, he may not be worth $40 million, but you know, maybe he's worth an extension. You know, he's, he's, he's the guy in Dallas for sure. Um, but I think, uh, that they need to really think about, okay, well, we're talking about cap space. We're talking about rookie reserve and we're talking about, you know, everybody else's salaries and, and the Cowboys, you know? the Cowboys have been right up against the cap too. Mm-hmm. And that's, that's another thing. And, and if they're going to, I think one big thing for Dak Prescott is his success is based a lot on the weapons he has mm-hmm. and right. He has a plethora of weapons. I mean, let's let, I mean, go right down the line. You're talking lamb. You're talking uh, Amari Cooper. Cooper. You're talking Ezekiel Elliott. You're yeah. talking Tony Pollard. You're talking Michael Gallup. You're talking Cedric Wilson. You're talking Dalton Schultz. They have a good squad over there on offense, plus uh, one of the best offensive lines in the game. And then you got a quarterback on top of it who's mobile as all hell. So yep. I, there's there's a formula. If if you if you're just sitting here and you're just listening to that without knowing which team it is, you're going to sit there and think that's a Super Bowl team. So right. they're seven and four right now, and they're four and two at home. Yep. So I'm well, like, huh. now, now they're now they're eight and four because they did eight. Win yeah. Right, but I'm but you still you still look at it and you go, huh? You yeah. Know, if, if they have all that talent, yet they're you know they're riding high on the NFC East. But just by a thread, I mean, well, not by a thread, but still, Washington's behind them. They're only three games back, you know, but it's the NFC East, too. I mean, think about that, too. They're the most talented team in the NFC East, and the NFC East has, you know, historically not been a very good division compared to all the others. Right. I I mean, to me, I'm looking at it, and I'm going, I don't think Dak Prescott is worth the money, but I can't deny that he is playing decent football this year. I, I think he's he's worth Kirk Cousins money at like thirty three. I think that mm-hmm. the thirty to thirty three. That's fair. I, and at the time, like a few years ago, when we were talking about his contract extension, you know, thirty three was high money. You know, mm-hmm. I mean, that, that was like the like the utmost high. You know, the 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 biggest cap hit of anything. And uh, we were talking about him being worth about twenty five. I think now, given the current market, he's not worth the forty or forty five or whatever he's getting. But I think he is worth the. 33. I think he's worth Kirk Cousins money. I think he's mm-hmm. worth high end Matt Stafford money. I don't think he's worth the 40, but Hey, you know, you can't deny he played great ball this past week. Um, and, and Hey, hopefully he can, uh, continue doing what he's doing for the old Cowboys there and getting him some W's. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three, Matt Stafford, uh, the accuracy wasn't there 21 for 38, but he still had 302 yards, three touchdowns. He did throw a pick in that game. Uh, mm-hmm. What, what do you make of Matt Stafford? I mean, are we falling off here? Are are are, are we starting to to lose? Is is it's? I, I think it's not. I don't think it's quite time to press the panic button in Los Angeles and on Matthew Stafford. I mean, he does have a much more talented team surrounding him, and he has a coach that can really point him in the right direction. And Sean McVay, you know, not to say that you know. He he hasn't had you know stellar coaches in Detroit. I mean, Quint, you know, Matt Patricia, hello, uh, yeah. et cetera, et cetera. But you know, Cooper Cup is one of his favorite uh, you know targets. Obviously, you know Van Jefferson. You know, they added Odell Beckham. The, the but, problem I have for him right now is a you know he's he he's been successful with with um, 
Daryl Henderson as the running back over there. But they they lost Cam Akers, who everybody kind of, you know, after his blow up late in the last se- late last season, I mean, he blew the hell up. Um, everybody was kind of saying, oh, yeah, Matt Stafford, he's going to be, you know, the real deal. And, and the, you know, Cam Akers is going to come in and, and do what he did late last season and put up 1,500 yards this time, you know, and, and he's going to play a full year. Cam Akers gets hurt in the offseason, so now we're talking about a durability issue for him. And, and we're talking about a Rams team that doesn't have any first round draft picks for like ever. And, right. and you have Robert Woods who, who, you know, gets hurt. He's out for the rest of the year. And he was attracting so many things for Stafford to Stafford's credit. He's still putting up numbers, but this team is not as effective without Stafford ha- and, and having all those weapons. Look at this situation. Now, one of the big weapons went down and suddenly this team is suffering. And, and I don't know that staff, I think Stafford is in a kind of a a bit of a panic and I think people, you know, people have the right to panic about Matt Stafford right now, because this was a huge trade. This was the guy that was supposed to take him to the promised land. Absolutely. You might might be seeing a a situation where Stafford has a meltdown. I would love to see the Rams go to the Super Bowl because they were my Super Bowl prediction uh, for the NFC. Mm -hmm. And, uh, but you will see. We'll see if Matt Stafford and, and, you know, Tyler talks about Stafford, uh, you know, his exact words about Stafford were, oh, he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Well, I don't know. Mm -hmm. And I'm seeing a situation where one of his weapons went down. If this was Aaron Rodgers, Mm -hmm. we're having a completely different conversation because that's part that's part of the other problem is that he went up against Aaron Rodgers, uh, arguably one of the best quarterbacks of the modern era. Right, you know, but we're talking about uh, Aaron Rodgers. Let's say Aaron Rodgers is on this Rams team, and mm-hmm. Robert Woods goes down. Do you think that the Rams have these same problems? I don't think. Not really, so. I don't think so. Because Aaron Rodgers has gotten it done with Alan Lazard on the field. So I mean, <laughs> that that's that becomes the the big thing. I I that that's the moment where I say I don't think Matt Stafford is a first ballot Hall of Famer. I don't mm-hmm. think he is, and and. I think Matt Stafford, will he be a Hall of Famer? Probably, but I don't think he's first ballot. I think I think mm-hmm. this situation currently is saying a lot about Matt Stafford, and unless he can turn it around and start being that Aaron Rodgers-like quarterback that tears it up, even though he doesn't have all of his great weapons on the field, then we're having a different conversation. But this past week, even in the loss, he did put up good numbers. I want to see if Matt Stafford can continue this, but I also want to see if Matt Stafford can get some W's for this Rams team and get them back in the mix for that division. Because right now there's two games back and right now the Rams are starting to fold here. So right. it's becoming something. of <laughs> And you got Kyler Murray and the car and the Cardinals leading the charge. So right. you know, and if really, we take, if, if we really take good, well, the Cardinals, they've been getting it done with Colt McCoy for the last month. <laughs> that's surprising i haven't heard that name in forever since yeah. he was with the browns yeah I, I mean they they since kyler murray hurt his ankle i mean it's been it's been the colt mccoy show over there and he's been getting it done he's i think he's three and one right now that's insane i i i must i must have missed that memo because i'm like wow so yeah. there so, you go so it's gonna be and it's gonna be tough sledding for you know they do have the cardinals in two weeks Right, uh, and Tyler will be back for that game. He'll he's actually so, yeah. So that's and then that that alone is like yep, you got a problem. Then uh, they got a tough game against the Ravens, and they're then they finish out the season against the 49ers. So again, 
Matt, are you going to step up to the plate or are you going to, are you going to fall by the wayside? Right. And that's going to be the question of the day. Now, number two, uh, Leonard Fournette, 17 carries a hundred yards. He had a 5.9 average and he also had seven receptions for 31 yards. He had four touchdowns on the day, three rushing, one receiving huge game for Fournette. Um, Mm-hmm. You know, I, I think he's proving that he's proven that he's the number one back over there. He kind of took the job from Ronald Jones. Uh, Leonard Fournette, huge game for him. He put the team on his back to beat the Colts, did he not? Yeah, I mean, look at look at the statistics. I mean, you know, 17 carries for 100 yards. I mean, alone, you look at that alone and go, okay, you know, Gronk had 123 yards in the air. Yeah, uh, but I mean, the fact of the matter is, you know, if 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 we look at the box, you know, the score by score, you know, Tampa Bay, you know, you know, they scored 14 points in the second quarter, 14 in the third, and an additional 10 on the fourth. And all of those yeah. points came from Fournette in the second half. There you go. If, if all those points came from him in the second half, then that right there just tells you he strapped the team to his back and he just and he bulldozed his way to, to the end. I mean, yeah, you do have the GOAT and Tom Brady, but, you know, it's it's not just Brady. You know, it's uh, – you know, Fournette really uh, had a huge hand in, uh, you know, coming back and winning the game. Yep. And also, uh, now moving on to number one, the, the the top guy on Tyler's top ten, Joe Mixon, twenty eight yards, hundred or twenty eight carries, hundred and sixty five yards. He had four receptions for negative two yards, but he still got a touchdown on one of those receptions um, <laughs> because because he did get tackled in the backfield a bunch on the receptions, but he still wound up getting a positive one for a touchdown. But he had 28 carries for 165 yards, four touchdowns on the day. Huge game for Joe Mixon. Tyler actually had Fournette and Mixon flip-flopped at one point. And I said, uh, hey, wait a minute. You need to look at Joe Mixon and, and Leonard Fournette again. And he flipped him around and said, yeah, you're right. That was a good call. <laughs> so <laughs> Joe Mixon sitting at number one on Tyler's top ten. We talked about him earlier. I think he's one of the best running backs in football. Um, and, and he's getting it done for the Bengals. So we've already talked about him for uh, sure. moving into our next segment here, Alex, it's time for Raytown's forgotten fun. Raytown's forgotten five. And, uh, I have five guys that I think Tyler forgot about. And number five is one guy that I'm going to throw everybody for a loop this week. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Because nobody's looking at him, and he is one of and we. I've had, I've had guys like this on my forgotten five in the past. Tyler doesn't generally look this way, but I do. Number five goes to Joel Betonio, the offensive <laughs> guard for the Cleveland Browns. He played sixty snaps, zero pressures allowed, zero sacks. He had an eighty-four point six Pro Football Focus run block grade and an eighty-nine point five pass block grade. A huge game for Joel Batonio. Um, mm-hmm. One of the best linemen in the or in the entire league. He's always been one of the top linemen. I love what he's doing. He gets on the forgotten five this week uh, for that huge game uh, that he had. Even though, even in the loss, he still tore it up for the, uh, the Cleveland Browns. Number four, Jonathan Taylor. 16 carries, 83 yards, and a touchdown. He had a 5.2 average. This is not the workload that we're used to seeing from Jonathan Taylor, 16 carries, but he still manages a 5.2 average out of it. He still gets a touchdown. 
This Colts offense, does it run through mm-hmm. Jonathan Taylor or what, Alex? I think so. I mean, you, you had his you had his week you had his perf- stellar performance the week previous uh, where he racked up 50 fantasy points and he basically single-handedly, you know, handed me my butt that week. Uh, <laughs> but, you know, but it's safe to say that the Indianapolis Colts and Jonathan Taylor, you know, if, if the old he is the heart and soul of that rushing attack. He's already broken a thousand yards. He's on track for 1500. Um, and you know, if he, if he just keeps, you know, he's projected to go 1607. I think he might get more than that. If he keeps up with the high uh, performances. Uh, and if we take a look at the Colts remaining schedule, uh, if I can get this really quickly here, uh, I think depending on who the Colts play the rest of the season, you know, it's going to be uh, interesting to see, you know, if, if Jonathan Taylor can keep up, you know, his, you know, his, his uh, rushing ways. But safe to say that uh, that is indeed uh, their bread and butter. Yeah, he, he is most definitely, he is the, 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 um, he's the, the heart and soul of that offense. And, and I think, mm-hmm. I think he's doing wondrous things for uh, uh, Carson Wentz and company. It's huge, and and their remaining schedule. It, yeah. I mean, you're they talking. Got the te- they, they got a, they got a rollover against the Texans, a test against the Patriots in that defense. Yep. Cardinals that's- are going to give them trouble. Yep. That, Raider, that's- Raiders a coin flip, and then they're gonna they're gonna end the season with a cakewalk against the Jaguars. So yep. they have it. They have an opportunity to really make a case uh, to, you know, pop into that AFC South conversation. And possibly, you know, challenge the Tennessee Titans for that title. They yeah. may, they may very well sneak into the playoffs as well. We don't know. I think Tyler predicted that they're going to win the division. Tyler really? predicted that. I know they've got a tougher schedule. I, I believe three out of those five games are wins. Maybe even four. I think they beat the Texans, Raiders, and Jags, and they could beat the Patriots depending on on uh, how things yeah. go. I don't think they beat the Cardinals, but mm. Frank Reich and company. With the uh, the uh, uh, the Colts, I mean that guy. He's he's been a great coach for them. Jonathan Taylor is going to be one of the best running backs in this league for a long time. I'm excited. He's going to be around for ten plus years, I think. And and he the guy's a bulldozer. I loved him at Wisconsin. I love him now. I think he's phenomenal. Mm-hmm. Uh, number three is a little bit of a surprise for everybody. Uh, Darnell Mooney. Uh, five receptions for 125 yards and a touchdown. Had a big game against the Lions. This is his second one in a row for Darnell Mooney. He's been catching everybody by surprise. Allen Robinson has not been playing up to snuff. And and Mooney has been just a, a really kind of special player for, for the Bears. He was a, a deep ball guy last year, and that's all he was. He was a one-hit wonder. He would catch a deep ball every now and then, score a touchdown, but nothing to write home about he's starting to become a a more complete receiver. And we're seeing that now later in the season. And this season, we're starting to see he's he's figuring it out. Mm. I think Mooney could be the number one receiver in Chicago, don't you? I mean, it's certainly possible. I mean, this isn't a team that's heavy on offense. And as as we discussed earlier, Chicago is in the middle of a dumpster fire. Um, I know that Darnell Mooney is one of the bright spots for sure. He'll get he'll he'll survive the fire, so to speak. Yeah. But I mean, the rest of that team, it's just going to be fire sale. So he'll he may end up winning the number one position if for no other reason than he's the best player on that team at this moment in time. So uh, it, it depends on if they if they draft a rookie, 
mm-hmm. and the, and that rookie turns out, you know, given an opportunity, you know, he can put up and keep up with Darnell Mooney. But, you know, going forward, I mean, it's, it's pretty safe to say, even with the conditions that Chicago's in right now, that Darnell Mooney could be a number one. Yeah, I think he can be. I think we're seeing that the beginning stages of that. And and obviously the jury's out. Obviously it's a small sample size this week, these last couple of weeks, and with him actually taking on that number one role. But yeah, I like what Darnell Mooney's doing. I think he's he's blown up the last couple of weeks. Um, number two, Aaron Rodgers, 28 for 45, 307 yards, two touchdowns on the day. Um, he had himself a hell of a game against the old Rams there, uh, a very a solid Rams defense. Rodgers doing it with a broken toe. He gets it done. Gotta like what Rodgers is doing. I, I don't I don't like him as a human being. We talked about him earlier, mm-hmm. though. He is is just pounding it out here and, and putting up wins. Yet a lot of people are predicting Packers are gonna win the go win the Super Bowl and whatnot. I think that's debatable. Mm-hmm. I mean to me, they still look like an NFC title type of team that's gonna, you know, flounder out in the NFC championship game again. But mm-hmm. um yeah, Aaron Rodgers has been putting up some numbers, getting it done, looking like Aaron Rodgers does. I mean, obviously yeah. he's going to be number two, but number one is the guy I really want yep. to talk about. Yep. Mac Jones, 23 yep. two, 310 yards. He had two touchdowns. He had a better accuracy and uh, more yardage than old Aaron Rodgers this past week. But Mac Jones tearing it up. Got to love what he's doing. Uh, mm-hmm. Seven row for the Pats. They've got a tough one against the Colts this week. What do you think, or against the Bills rather this week? What do you think about uh, old Mac Jones? Here is is I I will tell you he's he has surprised us all. You know, uh, we all, we all called him to be a draft bust, uh, and it certainly looked that way at the beginning of the season. But don't forget who's coaching him: the, the legendary Bill Belichick. You know, hooded sweatshirt and all. You know, the man's a mad genius. So you know, having you know having you know uh, un. Mac Jones under his tutelage has definitely helped him, you know, and, and, the, and the rest, you know, they're going to have that competitive edge against the bills. I mean, they're a division rival. And, you know, if we take a look at that AFC East, they're nipping at their heels, right. you know? So uh, this is, this is an opportunity for new England to really put their foot on the gas and solidify their position as AFC East champions, but they're really going to have to get it done against the bills. You know, I, That's they got, yeah, they actually have two games against the Bills. Once yep. one this week, Monday night, and then they have the game after they have the day after Christmas. So, you know, it's going to be very interesting to see. You know, you're going to you're going to face the Bills pretty much back to back with yep. a, with a wedge in with the Colts in the middle with that Carson Wentz and, and Jonathan Taylor. Very interesting development. So yep. yeah, you have you're rounding out the season with the Jaguars and the Dolphins. But those three weeks are probably going to define Mac Jones' season. If we just take a look at, you know, what we've what we've seen about the Bills, what we've seen about Jonathan Taylor, and the fact that they're like sandwiched. It's 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 a it's a it's a trap game sandwich here. Yeah, so that's absolutely. exciting to see. I, I think you're absolutely spot on. It's going to be three competitive games right in a row. Going to make for some really good football. Really, mm-hmm. really good, exciting football. I can't wait. I'm I'm gonna be. I'll probably as as long as the Vikings aren't on at that point. I'll probably <laughs> be watching those games, and I'm I'm hopeful that we're gonna see uh, um, some really solid solid games uh, between those teams. Um, now, Alex, I've got the forgotten five out of the way, but we still have to crap on people. It's mm-hmm. time. Sounds forgetful five. 
<laughs> and, um, we had five forgetful performances. Most of them were quarterbacks this week. Uh, but first one is number five, Austin Eckler. Eckler has the four touchdown performance the week before. He comes into this past week, 12 carries for 31 yards. He had a 2.6 average on the day. Um, no touchdowns, just a crap performance by Austin Eckler, which is sort of a surprise because he's been playing so well um, ever since Melvin Gordon left. Number four goes to a, a guy that Tyler will always tell me, I didn't call him elite, but he did call him elite. Ryan Tannehill, mm -hmm. 11 for 21, 93 yards, one touchdown, one interception. He had a 62.6 QBR. Anytime you put up less than 100 yards in a game, I'm going to crap on you. Yeah. That's, you just can't you can't do that in this league. You can't unless, do it. And and unless it's like, hey, I went nine for eleven for ninety some odd yards. Okay, I'm not yeah. going to be that mad at you. But mm -hmm. you went eleven for twenty one, bro. <laughs> no, that's that's not that's not <laughs> good. You know. So Ryan Tannehill lines up at number four. Number three goes to Lamar Jackson. Oh boy. Yeah. Where where do we even start with this one? Because we we one sixty-five, one touchdown. Four interceptions. He had a 50.1 QBR. And believe it or not, Alex, it gets worse from four interceptions. <laughs> yeah. It so from there, we, you, you, we were, we have our little group chat and we were just throwing out random quarterbacks being better than, uh, being better than Lamar Jackson. Uh, Joe, the Joey Harrington one made me pop oh. uh, for sure. <laughs> but, you know, but it even highlights, you know, uh, you know, I don't know if this is going to be, I don't know if he made your forgetful five, but you know, Baker Mayfield was on the opposite side of the field and he lost to this. Yeah, performance. He lost to that. And, and Baker, believe it or not, did not make it on the forgetful five. He would have been more or less an honorable mention because according to the numbers, he didn't play poorly, but, um, but it still says something. It still says something when you're going up against a crappy performance from a from a from a talent that's supposed to be mercurial, and yep. you still don't get the job done. That, we can't let you get away with that, Baker. No, I we can't, and I'm I'm with you on that. Uh, number two, however, Jalen Hurts, uh, 14 for 31. We talked about him earlier. 129 yards. He had three picks. His QBR was 19.4. Ooh, that's no good. <laughs> Talk about a tough day at the office. But believe it or not, Alex, believe <laughs> it or not, it gets worse. It actually gets worse. Number one goes to Cam Newton. Ooh. 5 for 21 for 92 yards, two picks. His QBR was an 8.9. Yeah, I'm looking at I'm I'm on uh I'm on the ESPN website for the, for that game. It looks like he got a 5.8 rating, but the but the the point still stands. <laughs> the mighty have fallen. Oh my <laughs> lord! It's like you know, you know, garbage is a household word. You know, you may be a household word in Carolina, Cam, but so is garbage, and it stinks yeah. when it gets old too. Yeah, <laughs> and, I, I, and so did this performance. Oh has one great game against Washington, comes back and gives us that. I'm amazed. I'm amazed that the Carolina Panthers are considering starting him next week. Just blown away after yeah, that. Well, who else do they have? They don't have uh they don't have <laughs> Sam Darnold anymore. Was it PJ Walker? Is that the yep. guy? I guess that's yep, that is their uh, backup. PJ oh. Walker is their backup. So who do you, who do you have? <laughs> yep. 
Just dumpster, a mess. another another dumpster fire in the making, uh, shall we say? Yes. Yep. So uh, now next up, Alex, we got our rookie rankings. Tyler and I have been putting together our combined rookie rankings. Um, and and so I make mine. He's the mathematician around here. We all know that. So Tyler has we've been we've been uh, creating our own rookie of the year um, on the show every year. And and a lot of times, you know, our rookie of the year isn't always the most sexy position. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, it, most most, you know, uh, places will make it. Oh, it's a quarterback or it's a receiver. Or it's this or that. But we actually look at all the all the factors and all the numbers and we look at every rookie. We really do. As, as best we can, we look at every rookie that, that's starting, that's out there, that's relevant, and we come out with these rookie rankings, and I'm pretty excited about them. Um, so here are our rookie rankings for, for going into Week 12. This is a cumulative score, obviously, for all these rookies. Our combined uh, rookie rankings go like this. Number 10 through Week 12, we're talking about Sam Cosme, the right guard from um, – or the offensive tackle, rather, from the Washington football team. Cosby has been really, really good. He's probably going to fall off the rookie rankings after this week, though. He's uh, just hit IR, and uh, mm. you know he's been a really solid. He's been kind of near the bottom of the top ten of the the rookie rankings, but he's been really solid um, for for the Washington Football Team. He protects uh, um, the blind side of Taylor Heineke really well. It's unfortunate. Mm-hmm. Because I like Sam Cosme, and I really wanted him to finish on this list. And at this point, I don't know that he's going to, because he's going to hit IR. Um, Next up, number nine. Now, this one I'm going to give Tyler a hard time about. I have him on the outside looking in. And and I had him as my my number two of the outside looking in. It's Adafi Owe. uh, He's a defensive end who's been sort of playing a stand-up linebacker type of role, but he's been very, very good for the the Ravens this year. Tyler, mm-hmm. you know, here's the thing. Tyler busted my balls a few weeks ago right here on this show because I believe in analytics and that I believe in pro football focus rankings. Yep. And then he proceeded to give me a hard time because I had a guy on the list higher than other people with a, and the guy had a lower pro football focus than the other people that were below him in Elijah Vera Tucker. So mm-hmm. it's only cool if the Ravens use analytics, apparently. That, that was our takeaway. But not only that, Tyler has a, a, must have Adafi Owe super freaking high on his list to, for him, me to have him on the outside looking in and Adafi Owe to wind up at number nine on the top 10. Yeah, that's got, that's, there's got to be some sort of a homerism going on here. Right. I think that's what it is. I think is you know, the old two-handed gawk-gawk combo for, mm-hmm. uh, you know, a Ravens player because he's a Raven. What what position is he playing? He's a defensive end, um, okay. and, and sometimes he's an outside linebacker. But Adafi Owe is, is a, he's a solid player. He's made a lot of key plays for the Ravens. I like him a lot. But, eh, okay. I, I don't think he deserves to be on the top 10 right now. I didn't have him on the top 10. Um, according to Pro Football Focus, his grade isn't that high, but he's still playing good ball. I'm amazed that he even made the list, to be perfectly honest with you, because I do mm-hmm. feel there are players that are better than him, um, whether it be yeah. you know Kyle Pitts, Micah Parsons, et cetera, et cetera. Right now, Kyle Pitts would be on the outside looking in. Tyler burned him off the list. I mean, I look, I look that, uh, you know, I mean, I'm looking at his statistics. I mean, you know, he's had 21 tackles on the year, 
Mm. Five sacks, three forced fumbles. Not too bad for not a rookie, good. and and you know not not for a defensive end like him. Uh, but I mean, it's it's those numbers to me, to an untrained eye, look average. You know, it, it's it should it should stand this late in the season that you can get you know five sacks or four sacks. You know, it's and it's easy enough. You know, for a pro to tackle another pro if you're trained properly. I, I think that there's there's certain things that are are um, that I identified. You know, three force fumbles, five sacks, five, and and he had thir- he has thirteen tackles, five assists. Here's the problem: sixty nine overall on his Pro Football Focus grade. He has a run defense grade of sixty nine point one and a pass defense grade of sixty five point seven. It's not bad. But it's nothing that that's gonna uh, uh, make me want to put him up above, say, a Devonte Smith. It's mm-hmm. nothing that's gonna want me to want to make me put him above a Micah Parsons. It's just mm-hmm. not. It's just not that way. It's not. Uh, so I, I understand. For me, uh, like Tyler and I both agree that Pro Football Focus doesn't tell the entire story. Mm-hmm. But it does tell part of the story and it does tell the analytics do tell how good a player is performing on the field. And away, is he playing well? Sure. Is he blowing the world up? No. And like I said, for him to be on the outside looking in on my list and then wind up in number nine on the combined scores, that means Tyler's got to have him around five or six, which I think is outrageously high. And and like it, you said, I think it's a little bit of homerism, in my opinion. But. <laughs> you know, and I only do that just to you know kind of poke the bear a little bit, you know. But uh, at this on the same token, you know, uh, it'll be interesting to see what number actually comes up when we find out about it. Right. So, uh, you know, so, I'll, I'll, so it's something to keep your eye on. Yep. Now, number eight goes to a guy who I, I thought was a tremendous pick for the uh, um, for the Kansas City Chiefs. And he he was a late round pick, Trey Smith. Uh, he's he's a guard for them. He has been one of the highest rated guards in all of football uh, this season. He's been rock solid for them. A guy who was I think he was a sixth or seventh round selection. He's turned out to be phenomenal. A lot of people didn't take him because he had a heart problem. Is was my understanding. He had he had some sort of uh, heart deficiency, and uh, obviously that proved. You know we've seen that before. Some guys have oh he has a heart problem, and and it turns out to be nothing. And those players turn out great in the nfl and here we are trey smith is no different he he's played really well alongside creed humphrey uh he's been starting for them a late round guy that has a really high pff grade i like trey smith a lot i think he's rock solid for the chiefs he's been protecting patrick mahomes really really well he's perfect for that and this is about right for him now number Mm -hmm. seven jeremiah owuso karamoa he is the, um, the, the, he's number seven on our list here. I, here's my thing about Awuso Karamoa, and I think this is a little high for him. Early on in the season, Awuso Karamoa was looking like a rookie of the year candidate. He was near the top of the list. Uh, Awuso, one of the key things about these rookie rankings, and I've talked about it before, and I'll talk about it again, and, mm-hmm. and I've talked about our, our, how good a player is, is availability. How often is a player on the field? Awuso Karamoa has missed a month of, of play. Mm-hmm. And he came back last week and he had a great game. But to, to have him this high on the list, number seven, I had him outside looking in. Mm-hmm. He was probably the number one. 
And right now he's he's ranked at number seven, which mm-hmm. means Tyler had him again, another one really, really high for a guy that wasn't on the field. Who he just, who was who was he playing for? He plays for the Browns. Gotcha. Jeremiah Owuso Karamoa. He plays mm-hmm. for the Browns. He and he's been he was really spectacular, but he when he got hurt, he was out for a month. We haven't seen him in his first game back. He winds up at number seven on the list. I think this is high, and I think this is kind of a skewed, skewed choice, in my opinion. And I know Tyler will argue it, and that's fine. You know, he has his mm-hmm. opinion. I have mine. I think availability, like I said, is key. Absolutely. There are certain, there are and, I, and that's it's an intan- it's an intangible slash. I don't think it's one. I don't think it's something that's. Do you think it's something that's tracked with PFF? It doesn't sound like that it is, but it could be well, wrong. And, and it's not something that's tracked with Pro Football Focus or anything like that. But it, when a guy goes down and and he's not and he's injured and he's he's not in the game, how can we say that that he is that high of a rookie? How can we say that mm-hmm. he's that good of a rookie if he's not playing? If he's only playing twelve games, how, I mean, I, to me, he shouldn't even be brushing near the top three right now because he he just came back. So. Mm-hmm. I, I had him outside looking in. He winds up at number seven, which which tells me that he's kind of middle of the road for Tyler. Um, mm-hmm. I'm not fully in agreement with it, and that's okay, you know. And uh, it, I just I don't buy it, and and that's just m- like my opinion there. Number six goes to a guy that I really like, though, and this is a guy that Tyler has been fighting me on all season long. I like him a lot, Nate Hobbs, the corner from the. Uh, the uh, Las Vegas Raiders. This guy it, last week was the number six corner in all of football. He was the ranked corner in all of the rookie rankings. And he has been floating in the middle of our, our rookie rankings for basically the entire season. I mean, is he, he entered the rookie rankings and he's been floating near five and six for a while now. And the only reason he drops a spot, technically speaking from last week, but realistically, Nate Hobbs, I mean, great player. Uh, I mean, is he going to win Rookie of the Year? Eh, probably not. But it, he's been a really, really good player for the Vegas Raiders. And for him to be rated as high as he is as a corner, to be sitting at that that um, that number five, six spot, and then to be you know the number seven overall corner and the number one ranked rookie corner, that's impressive. And and mm. I like everything that this guy's doing. He's been great in coverage. I just gotta love it. And I like Nate Hobbs a lot. Tyler, a lot of times, will have him lower on the list or sometimes outside looking in. And I really like the idea of having him at number six. I think he this is right where he's going. <coughs> the only reason he drops a spot, it mm. has nothing to do with the fact that Nate Hobbs is is playing badly or anything. It just has to do with the fact that our top five, a lot of these guys have really jumped up. Mm-hmm. And, and I think it's worth mentioning. Um, so, but number five is a guy that's been climbing our list. He was off of it for a while and then he jumped on recently and he's just been climbing and climbing and climbing. Mac Jones, number yep. five, can't go wrong. He deserves to be here. Mac Jones has been playing lights out football. On my list, I had him at number four. He winds up at number five. So Tyler had him a little lower than I did. But, you know, he's been climbing and he's been playing. And he's, has he been playing like, you know, lights out ball where he's setting the world ablaze? Eh, no. It's been lower numbers, no mistakes. Yeah. He's guiding his team. He's won seven straight. Mac Jones is a beast. 
and control uh, and discipline. Yep. And that's again, again, you know, credit is coach credit, credit Bill Belichick. Yes, I agree. And so Mac Jones ranks up at number five, number four goes to a guy that, that, uh, he, he started out real high on our list and then dropped off my list and dropped off our list completely for a minute and then jumped back on our list. And he climbed back out of that cellar, Micah Parsons. Um, he was a great pickup for the Cowboys. They put him at defensive end where he doesn't belong. He didn't play well at defensive end. He needs to be playing as a stand-up linebacker. And and since then, he's been one of the most enigmatic pass rushers in all of football uh, since he he jumped in. Um, and, and since they put him back to where he needs to be as an outside linebacker or even a middle linebacker. I like Micah Parsons a lot. I think Dan Quinn has a, has a guy there who is just a steal. And he's had two really, really great games in a row. In a row. And, and you know, from a just strictly from a pro football focus standpoint, his grades have been all over the place. I mean, like, he, he went from, like, early on, he was, like, at an 80-something, and then he dropped down to a, a 60, and then he's jumped back up. And a lot of it has to do with his pass rushing. I mean, overall, he's an 82.6 right now. His run defense grade is only a 58.8, but his pass rush grade is a 92.7. So, I mean, and, and that's what, and then his uh, pass coverage grade is a 58.7. So, yeah, I, I, Micah Parsons, you know, he's become a pass rusher, and that's that's what he's good for. He's very LT-like, and that's what my comparison was last year, uh, or, or uh, earlier this year, rather, when he got drafted. Oh, he's like the next Lawrence Taylor, and that's what we're seeing. Micah Parsons is the next Lawrence Taylor, <laughs> I mean, except in a Cowboys uniform. <laughs> so. so it'll be interesting to see uh, what he does the rest of the season. But you know, you know, I've heard I've heard his name, you know, on on pregame shows before. You know, it's and uh, it's it lines up. Yeah, yeah, he's he's just an enigmatic type of player. Uh, number three goes to a guy who I said was going to wind up being them better than Panay Sewell. And he already has turned out to be better than Panay Sewell. And that is Rashawn Slater. Um, offensive tackle for the for the Chargers. He's been defending uh, uh, Justin Herbert's blind side beautifully. I like Rashawn Slater. I liked him. And I, I the only the main reason I liked him is because he was effective at uh, doing both offensive guard and offensive tackle was was one of the main reasons that I liked him a lot. And teams have shifted him around in college. And when they shifted him around in college, he turned out to to be successful in every position he's been in. He's at an 81.8 overall on Pro Football Focus, 78.2 pass blocking. He's got an 80.4 run blocking grade. I mean, he's only allowed three sacks. He's played 759 snaps. He's always healthy. Great player. I like him a lot. Rashawn Slater, I thought he was a tremendous draft pick. I wanted the Vikings to get him, actually, but he went to the Chargers one pick before. So mm-hmm. yeah, uh, your boy, didn't your boys trade down too far and then th- that ended up doing that or it was a different, they traded down, but they, they wound up getting Christian Derrissaw out of the deal, which I totally wasn't mad about. Cause I like Christian Derrissaw a lot, but I would love, I would have loved for them to have Rashawn Slater. I thought he was just mm-hmm. the knees as far as offensive tackles went in the draft. And uh, here we are. He's ranked number three in our rookie rankings. Number two goes to Jamar chase. Mm-hmm. Now, <laughs> I'm amazed that he's still like, so I had him at number three mm-hmm. and which he, is fair. 
Yeah, which I think is fair. He's at number two, which tells me that Tyler probably had him at one or two. Um, he's falling off. He's he was number one for about eight weeks, and we gave him about a three week pillow. We said you you got <laughs> three weeks of fluff before we say, hey man, like let's let's you know have a different discussion about this guy at the number one spot because he was falling off, and then he fell off three weeks in a row, and then he dropped off you know, that number one spot. And now he's sitting at number two, Jamar chase. What do you make of him, Alex? I mean, he's, he's, he's well, falling off. I mean, do you think teams have figured him out already? It's, it's entirely possible. I mean, it is the NFL and he, and it's his first season. So you, you're obviously going to have veterans out there that can, can read, you know, can read coverage routes, can read, um, you know, where he's going to go. You know, and and you know can read the quarterback's direction and go. Oh, okay, he's going to throw this Jamar kid. Let's let's get the safety on him and double cover him. So that that could be a possibility. Um, also, um, you know, just you know, Joe Burrow might be just, Joe Burrow might be detecting you know another player on his team uh, that you know uh, T Higgins. That I was like, oh hey, he's he's creating opportunities. Uh, that I can exploit because everybody's trying to get to Jamar Chase. So part of it, I believe, is just offensive strategy from the Bengals. Uh, part of it, um, I mean, he's been available for sure, right? You know, so that so that's not a factor. Uh, you know, his his PFF stats might be holding up, but yeah. if he if he's starting to slip, it's probably because you know teams are just starting to figure him out. Uh, and then, and that there are alternate opportunities uh, for other receivers to join in on the fun, so to speak. Right. And number one on this list is a guy that's been on this list uh, number one for the last several weeks now. Creed Humphrey. I mentioned him earlier mm-hmm. uh, alongside Trey Smith. Creed Humphrey has he's the number one center in the league right now, just tearing it up for the Chiefs. He's been a phenomenal draft pick for them. You got to love what Creed Humphrey's doing over there protecting Patrick Mahomes effectively. He's been great up the middle. He's been the the top-ranked rookie uh, this season. The guy's got an over 90 PFF grade. Just incredible. <laughs> he was a, a second-round selection, if I'm not mistaken. I really like Creed Humphrey. I liked him a lot when, when the Chiefs snatched, snatched him up, and he's yep. turned out to just be tremendous for them. Yep, sixty third pick in the draft, uh, round two. So he probably was like right, right around the end of the second round because right. you know thirty two teams. So he was right on the, right in the last part of it. So to, to be like that late second round pick, you know, dang near third round, and to get a talent like this, you know, has been a major coup for Kansas City. Absolutely, you know? and he's only allowed one sack this season. Um, his player grade, I, I mean, his overall grade is a 90.9. <laughs> mm-hmm. I mean, I, where, where do you get that for, for the center position? I mean, there's not a whole lot that I, I don't imagine that there's a whole lot that can be graded from the center position. How well do you snap the ball? How often are you penalized and how well can you stop the pass rush? How well can you, uh, pass yeah. blocking wise, he's at a seven. <laughs> 5.7, which is good. But here's the, the big one is his run blocking grade is a 92.7. Mm-hmm. Holy well, it, smokes. How, how are you, you know, how are you going to be able to be a successful football team if you can't assist the run game? Right. And, and he's, he's allowed only nine pressures on the year. I mean, he, he's 
it's this, just this late into the season. I mean, we're 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 double digit games here, Scott. So that means he's allowed uh you know less than one pressure per game, you know, through yep. you know eleven or twelve games. Yep. And and he's he is just an amazing center. I, I loved everything that he, that he's been doing this season. So Creed Humphrey winds up as number one. And now we got some news around the league, Alex. And I'm going to jump right into it. Um, we're we're going to go ahead and start off with the Eagles. Uh, quarterback Jalen Hurts, his ankle uh, is injured. He's questionable to play versus the Jets on Sunday. We'll see if we're going to get Jalen Hurts. I mean, does it really kill them because it is the Jets? Um, mm. the Eagles, I mean, do, do you think that the Eagles can still get it done against a, a questionable Jets team? You, I think they do have a chance against the Jets. I mean... I mean, depending on who uh, the Eagles' backup is, but uh, I think it's uh, I think it's safe to say that you know it's it's not panic mode in in uh, Philadelphia, but also this could possibly be one of those uh, uh, d- dead zebras getting gummed to death by toothless lions game. Yeah, yeah, know, where it's just it's just it's just both an offensive and a defensive struggle and a total snooze fest. Could right, be, right. but you know, we we don't know. We're not sure. Um, next up in that same in that in that same division right now, Washington. Well, first of all, continuing with that game, the Jets' defensive line and lineman Sheldon Rankins. He's unlikely to p- play Sunday versus the Eagles. He's got a knee injury, mm-hmm. and uh, Jets' wide receiver Corey Davis. He's questionable. Questionable, excuse me, to play versus the Eagles on Sunday. He has a groin injury. Both of those are big hits for the Jets. Sheldon Rankins is a really solid defensive lineman, and, mm-hmm. and he's been really special for them. Rankins has had a really solid career and Corey Davis, obviously he's been dealing with an injury bug ever since he left Tennessee. Mm-hmm. And, and here we are, he's, he's got that groin injury. The the jets, I mean, have they been sold a bill of goods on Corey Davis? Or do you think that, that, you know, this is just, you know, a one-off type of issue for a season and then he's going to come on strong. Well, um, I don't have enough, uh, investment in, uh, that organization to really to really uh, dig in on the matter, Trust but what he does. <laughs> yeah, so, <laughs> so uh, I will. Uh, you know, I'm just going to go ahead and say that. Um, you know, okay, so just just so I'm clear, uh, the question was: Is you know, Corey, is it a big hit to not have Corey Davis? Um, I would. Think, s- do you think this is like a one-off season for him, where he get where he's hurt, but then he comes on strong later on, or do you think it's? You, I think- I believe that's possible. You know, um, with Corey, you know, you know the, the the Jets need all the help they can get. I can tell you that right now. I mean, they're they're one of the lower teams in the league, and any good players that they can keep retained, you know, will only help them. Um, but you know, as far as Corey Davis is concerned, you know, with, with as much as I know about him. You know, I I think you know he does have the the cap- he might have the capability to come back, and have you know uh, continued success. When when Corey Davis is healthy, and I'll just both put this out there: when he's healthy, he against the Panthers he had 97 yards. When he was healthy against the Titans, he had 111 yards. When he was healthy against the Bills, he had 93 yards. And then when he's not healthy, we're talking eight, 41, 45. 4735. The mm-hmm. numbers aren't horrible. He's got right now he's looking at 32 receptions for 477 yards, four touchdowns. Tyler was really big on Corey Davis. Um 
when he was over with the Titans. He was the number two to A.J. Brown over there. He had just under 1,000 yards. Yeah, I think he had 960 on the year. I think the last five games kind of uh, spell that out. Uh, he had 20 targets for you – know, he had uh, 20 receptions of 34 targets for 331 yards in the last five games. Right. Um, you know, and so far during the regular season, you know, he's had, you know, 32 receptions for 477. So I, I think when, when Corey Davis is healthy, I think they've got a legitimate number one there. But I don't think he's better than Elijah Moore is. And I think Elijah Moore is more of the number one receiver for the Jets right now. I think Corey Davis cedes that job to Elijah Moore. I think his plan was to go to the Jets and, oh, I'll be a number one there. And then a guy <laughs> like Elijah Moore showed up and so much for that. But, mm-hmm. you know, Corey Davis, I mean, it's it's a hit for the, them not to have him. But it's, I mean, I guess it's good for Elijah Moore in this situation because he winds up getting more targets and more looks his way. And, so, he can pr- and then he can prove that, you know, okay, well, I guess I, I should have been number one then. Well, right. prove it. Yep. So that's what we're looking at with the the old Jets there. Um, over in Washington, they've got a series of injuries. Obviously, we talked about it earlier. Sam Cosme, he's placed on IR with an ankle injury. That's a big hit for them. Mm-hmm. But they had two injuries, uh, you know, this past week. They Safety Landon Collins, he's ruled out for this Sunday's game versus the Raiders with a foot injury. Mm-hmm. And then also, J.D. McKissick, he's been ruled out for the game versus the Raiders with a concussion. McKissick, I mean, that was a, a rough hit that he took to get uh, the concussion there. That's a big hit for them, both those guys, because Landon Collins is a solid safety. J.D. McKissick has been a great change of pace back for him. For them. No running back in the league has gotten more uh, passes than J.D. McKissick. So mm-hmm. huge hit for that offense, but it might open things up for different players and different receivers, um, and it might open things up for a guy like, say, Logan Thomas, who's just returning from injury. So Washington gets one back. But at the same time, you know, they, they wind up losing a key key cog to that offense, right? Yep. I mean, when you – obviously, you lose two and you get one. I mean, that's that's one thing. But having, you know, you know Collins out and uh, J.D. McKissick, you know, you, the run, obviously, the run game is the most important part of, of your offense. And yeah. to have McKissick on the shelf – I think they've got a really good number one back in Antonio Gibson, but McKissick is such um, a, just a dynamic player, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You know, um, you know, very, very dynamic and, uh, you know, you know, very dynamic player. So it's like, you know, you want to have, like, you want to be able to have the two players complement each other, right. you know, now that you're, you, you, you risk the, you run the risk of having your one game become one dimensional, yeah. you know, with, with, with losing JD McKissick. So, you know, then then it'll be easier for pe- the, the defense to figure your run game out. You have to go to your pass passing game, and I don't know how Washington's pass game is, but I I can't imagine it's terribly good. You know, well, compared to other teams in the league. Yeah, they they have. I mean, scary Terry McLaurin is obviously the headlining uh, uh, mm-hmm. lining receiver over there, but them getting Logan Thomas back as a tight end is is a huge coup for them. Um, Logan Thomas is obviously a really, really special player for them. Uh, it's it's going to be a tough go for Washington, I think, not having McKissick for a couple of weeks. Obviously, it's concussion protocol, and, and it, they, they got to take all the precautions. Mm-hmm. Like I like J.D. McKissick. I don't think he's a number one back by any means, but huge player for them as far as keeping that run, run game a little more uh, two-dimensional. 
and keeping it a little open. He's a playmaker. He's very much like Naheem Hines is for, for the Colts. A lot of passes out of the backfield. I like McKissick a lot, and I think he's going to be something special for the the Redskins or the Redskins, the Washington Football. You can see I'm living in the 1990s still, but uh, he's he's uh, going to be a huge player for the Washington Football Team for the long term. It's just a matter of you know his health at this point. I like him a lot though, and I think this is a big hit for Washington moving forward. And also on the other side of the ball, you got the Raiders. Um, they've had all kinds of stuff going on. Uh, Raiders interim head coach. <laughs> Rich Bisaccia says that tight end Darren Waller and Carl Nassib, the tight end, or the defensive end rather, are week to week with injuries. Uh, both have mm-hmm. knee injuries. Um, linebacker Nick Kwiatkowski, he could return this week from an ankle injury. Uh, and then Raiders cornerback Trayvon Mullen, he's designated to return from IR after being placed there with a foot injury. First, we'll start with Darren Waller. Obviously, a lot of that offense in Raider land over there in Vegas runs through Darren Waller um, mm-hmm. that the guy's an incredible tight end. He's an amazing, <laughs> he's having a down year though. Um, after two really, really great years, teams starting to kind of figure him out having a down year. It might have something to do with the fact that Henry Ruggs isn't on the field. They don't really have that deep ball dynamic receiver like they normally have, but Darren Waller um, still one of the best tight ends in the league. Hands down. I think he's easily top three. I like Darren Waller a lot, and and you know, it, it's tough for the Raiders right now. A Raiders team that is sort of hit or miss, not having him on the field, right? Yeah, I mean, you know, the the numbers certainly back it up. You know, f- uh, throughout his throughout the season, he's had you know fifty three targets for fifty three receptions for six hundred forty three yards. So the right. guy can catch the ball. It's an average of twelve point one yards play. Uh, fifty three catches for six hundred forty three yards uh, throughout you know, this season, two touchdowns, yeah. you know, he, he's, a, he's a guy that can move the ball forward. So, and if, as you say, he's had a down year, plus he's not going to be playing then, uh, you know, so, so the question, you know, that, that fantasy is asking is how will Foster Moreau be used with no Darren Waller? You know, are they going to, are they going to move more towards him? Or are they going to have a different uh, uh, backup plan for that? To Foster Moreau's credit, when when Darren Waller was out, Darren Waller had to exit a game early, um, and it was it was actually National Tight End Day. Foster Moreau, the backup <laughs> tight end, had a really really great game earlier this season. I think Foster Moreau's a good tight end, but he's not great. I, I think he's serviceable. Um, he's definitely not a Darren Waller, but mm-hmm. I, I mean, we'll, we'll see what he can do. And and, and like I said, they're, they're considered week to week with the knee injuries. The other one is is defensive end Carl Nassib. We know Carl Nassib's a really solid defensive end for this team. He's kind of yep. a key cog to that defense. Um, this is kind of a hit for them. But they do get Nick Kwiatkowski back at linebacker, which, you know, he's he's going to return this week from an ankle injury. He could he could return anyway. But getting Nick Kwiatkowski back, I mean, I think that kind of, you know, you trade one for the other. You know, And I think Kwiatkowski is going to be a really he's, – he's a team leader for that defense. So I think losing Nassib – but getting Kwiatkowski back kind of keeps him like, you know, in limbo. Kind of, kind of, you know, kind of evens the scale a little bit. Exactly. You know, and then look- getting Trayvon Mullen back though, he's designated to return from IR after being placed there with a foot injury. So he's got 21 days to return. Trayvon Mullen, he's a, a young corner, but he's been a very good corner. Um, mm-hmm. has tremendous or anything like that, but he's a good corner for him. And, and I think he's, it's exciting for the Raiders to get him back as well. 
So yeah, I mean, he's, he's had 16 tackles, uh, you know, four passes defended this season. So, uh, you know, and uh, let me just take a quick look here. It looks like he is, in fact, oh my gosh, I had him just a minute. He, oh, he's, it's his third season with right. the rate. It's his third season in the NFL. Right. So, you know, over those three years, you have, you have those numbers, uh, you know, it, it'll be uh, good to have him back on the field. Yeah, I, th- I think it will. I, I think they're they're excited to have him back. He's got a sixty nine point four PFF grade. He's got a seventy four point two in coverage. So it would be nice yeah. to have him along uh, along with old Nate Hobbs there um, in coverage. Mm-hmm. Those are are good numbers for for both those corners. Mm-hmm. Now, uh, next up, you got the 49ers over there in in California. We'll stay on that West Coast there. Uh, the 49ers are being mum about their plans to trade Jimmy Garoppolo moving into the 2022 season, but all indicators says that they're going to trade him away and start Trey Lance. Do you think this is the smart move for the Niners? Well, uh, I'm I'm actually kind of 50-50 on it. On the one hand, you you do have that dynamic of having uh, the more experienced quarterback uh, kind of tr- teach up Trey Lance and to get him uh, ready for that starting position. You, right. you, you're going to take away that dynamic by trading him. But on the opposite side of the spectrum, you know, you're going to obviously you're going to leave room for cap space. Obviously, you're going to give Trey Lance the ball and an opportunity to run with it. You know, if 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 this Trey Lance kid is as good as you know they say he is, you know, he could lead San Francisco to a new golden age. But you know, so it, it's kind of it's kind of a gamble, high risk, high reward. Um, I you know, if it was me, glass half full, I'd say let's pull the trigger on that trade, see what we could get for Jimmy G. You know, because you know he's on the block along with Kirk Cousins and um, the other gentleman. I keep forgetting his name, uh, but it'd be. I th- I think we would. I would go ahead and trade uh, Jimmy Garoppolo and give Trey Lance the keys to the kingdom. Yeah, I, I think you know when it when it comes to Jimmy G, that they're going to have to pull the trigger. I think they're they're not completely satisfied with what uh, Jimmy Garoppolo is doing. I think he does get traded, but I don't think they get the haul that that you know, like they got for. I don't Matt. think anybody's nobody's going to get the haul that, that the Rams that the that the Lions got for you know from they they got they they basically committed highway robbery of the uh, of the right. highest order by yeah. basically getting a Super Bowl quarterback and a couple of dra- draft picks by trading away Matthew Stafford. Right, I mean, they they got they hit the lottery. Now, yeah. What they do with those picks is going to determine how valuable that trade actually was. But, yeah, you know, no, nobody's going to get the haul that Matthew Stafford got. Or, you know, I mean, Kirk Cousins arguably can get a better haul because he's a better player. Uh, let's hope it. Let's hope so, at least. I, I don't but, think Cousins gets the better haul. And the only reason I don't think Cousins gets the better haul is I think they'll still get the first. He'll get the two draft picks, but I don't think he's getting, you know, a, a Super Bowl quarterback or anything. Like that. He's not going to get a <laughs> Jared true. Goff, uh, you know, that that Jared Goff kicker. But right. what they're going to get is, you know, I think Jimmy G is probably right around what Tyler talks about Kirk Cousins being worth is like a first and a third. Mm-hmm. I think it's fair. That's and, fair. And, and I think that's what you're probably going to get for Jimmy G because at the end of the day, he has played in the Super Bowl. Um, but, you know, I think the, t- the Niners are going to move on for him, from him. And I personally, to be honest with you, from what I've seen from Trey Lance, I think it's a mistake because mm-hmm. Lance has not been very accurate throwing the right. football. Um, yep. He runs well. He, he really does run well. But, but yeah, mm-hmm. I have questions about Trey Lance. I really right. do. 
which Tyler, is kind of why, which is kind of why you would want to prefer on the other side of the fence to have Jimmy G around to try to help coach Trey Lance up. I mean, right. yeah, it's the quarterback's coach and the head coach's job to really develop Trey Lance, but you know, with having a veteran quarterback there to kind of back it up and to kind of add more to it would be more beneficial for Trey. But right. so Trey, I mean, Trey Lance is a you know having a running quarterback isn't a bad thing in this league anymore. Like like we used to. On this show, we used to talk about it like it was a dirty word, mm-hmm. um, you know, and and the reality is, is that most times I think Lamar Jackson is more a um, he's an anomaly in a way. And we'll see mm-hmm. how the next couple of years go. Right. But running quarterbacks don't generally survive in the NFL. Mm-hmm. We talked about that. We, you know, running quarterbacks. Eh, I don't know if he's going to survive. Do you think there's a difference between mobile quarterback and running quarterback? Because I would say that. Uh, Russell Wilson is a mobile quarterback and as opposed to Trey Lance, who's a running quarterback it's is what, of, what you're talking about. Sort of in a way, but, but, you know, I, I look at, at, um, I, I don't know. I, I kind of look at, at Trey Lance in a way that I think he's like a poor man's Lamar that can't throw the ball accurately. Mm. You know, his legs are great. He can run well, but when it comes time to throw, yeah. eh, I got questions. You got to step up in the pocket and you got to fire it off. Yeah, I got questions. Mm-hmm. So I, I don't know if Trey Lance, I think it's going to be a mistake for them, but we'll see. His accuracy mm-hmm. hasn't been there. I want to see if he can get it done. Sure. Um, also in 49er land, Debo Samuel, he's set to m- miss week 13 against the Seahawks with a groin injury. I don't think this is that huge of a hit for them, to be honest with you. I like Debo Samuel a lot, but if there's ever a week to take off, it's this week because that Seattle defense is not good. Mm-hmm. And, uh, you know, I, I don't think, um, uh, I, I don't, I don't think that they can, I think they can get away with it. You know, I, I think right. you can do enough and George Kittle can do enough. And Elijah Mitchell can do enough to keep them beating the Seahawks, right. even if and, it's close. Mm-hmm. Seahawks. Right. Yeah. I mean, this is like one of those things where it's like, you know, you're going up. Yeah. It's a division rival. But uh, it's not. Uh, it, it's a division. They're a division rival, but again, they're not. They haven't been that good this year. So right. you could. So Debo can take some time and heal up. You know, hopefully he'll be able to come back. Uh, you know, the next week when the schedule starts picking up a little bit. Yeah. Uh, but you know, with, with with Seattle, even with Russell Wilson, it's just been rough. It, it has been. Um, and then also for the 49ers, Fred Warner, he's set to miss thir- uh, week 13. Uh, you know, losing a star linebacker um, is is rough. Fred Warner just signed that huge deal on the offseason. He's their their stud linebacker. We know that. One of the best linebackers in the league. I don't think it's a huge loss. Again, I think Seattle is just rough. Uh, I think, mm-hmm. I think uh, Russell Wilson is having himself a bad year. I mean, that's really what it's been. It's been a bad year. Yeah. Uh, and I think well, the, the the hand injury is probably what started it. Yeah, and that's I I don't think he's he's adapting well with the hand injury. So yeah, losing Fred Warner again for another for one week for week thirteen, this is another one you can kind of get away with. If you're mm-hmm. going to lose a player, you're going to want to lose him in a crappy week where you don't have to take on anybody good, right? right. And, and and it helps if you're that if you're higher up in the division. Uh, because that NFC West, I mean, yeah, you're third place, but that's but that just means you're only three games behind the leader. Right. So, and, so and you're playing and you're playing a Seattle Seahawks team that's three and eight and in the gutter. Yeah. So there you go. I think I think they're going to trounce the Seahawks regardless of whether or not those two players are there. Mm-hmm. Um, 
<clears throat> Next up uh, for the Seahawks, they they went and signed running back Adrian Peterson to the practice squad. Wow, it's, that Peterson, that quickly, huh? He just doesn't want to retire, does he? I guess not. I mean, I guess he's <laughs> he's gonna be he's gonna become the next Frank Gore at this at this rate. You know, yeah, I mean, if, you got that the, you got that you got that you got that envisionment of Father Time with a football in his hand trying to run down the field. Yeah. You know, Frank Gore in twenty forty eight. You know, I think Peterson's yeah. gonna start making his way uh, to that status. Yeah, it's it's getting a little wild, but uh, you know, AP hasn't been. He didn't see the field when the Titans signed him. I was a little surprised by that, yeah. and and I but. This is a Seattle team that is needy at the running back position. You've got mm-hmm. Thomas Homer and you've got Rashad Penny as your backups. Chris Carson went down with an injury. Adrian Peterson could be the guy they're looking for. I mean, who knows? We, we'll see which Adrian Peterson shows up. Obviously, it's a rental. Mm-hmm. Obviously, the guy's only going to be there for a couple weeks. But it, hey, well, make sure you got to get him on the field first there, Pete. I mean, that's, that's, get him on the field. And uh, a lot of people also calling for Pete Carroll's head here too. Just, mm-hmm. just yeah. Um, next up, uh, speaking of the Titans, because we mentioned them, uh, they placed safety Kevin Byard on the COVID COVID reserve list. Um, that's a hit for them too. I mean, the Titans have already been having kind of a tough go, and for the last couple of weeks, ever since Derrick Henry went down, mm-hmm. losing Kevin Byard, who is your top receiver, or, or I'm sorry, your top safety rather. Mm-hmm. He has been rock solid for them. He's been great, and and he's been solid in coverage. I feel like this is just another just string, uh, another thing on a string of bad news for the Titans. It just it just keeps going and going and going, and that's kind of but, what I think we're at now with the Titans. It's just they're falling apart at the seams, right? I think it really started when they put Derrick Henry on injured reserve. I mean, like you said, if they put their way, if they chug their way to the playoffs and get Derrick Henry back, you know, they could probably, they can turn it around. Yeah. Uh, but I think what, what it started with Henry going down and then now you got all this other stuff going on. So it, you could, you could make a case saying that the snowball is starting to roll down the hill pretty, pretty quickly. Yeah. And I, and I think they're, they're trying to catch it. Um, and, and I don't know that they're going to be able to, they still have to, they, if they can win three more, I would say mm-hmm. three more games, they at least make the playoff. And they, they certainly have the schedule to do it. Yes. You know, they got the Jaguars, they got the Dolphins and they got the Texans. I think they squeak it out. I think they do too. I think they're, they're right on that cusp. Um, also speaking of, of Titans, a former Titan, former Saint, former Super Bowl winning safety, Kenny Vaccaro, he retires from the NFL after eight seasons. I thought Kenny Vaccaro was a great player, great safety. I, I loved, uh, I, I actually, for years in Madden, I used to go and pick him up and start him <laughs> as because he was good safety. Um, you know, it, it, I'm, I'm really happy for the guy. He's getting ready to go out. He says he's going to, going to start an esports league, I guess, which is kind of cool. Nice. So he's getting into esports. A lot of these guys getting into their new business, but Kenny Vaccaro, he does retire the, uh, the former Saint Titan, all that stuff. Uh, next up the Rams wide receiver, Odell Beckham. He's listed as questionable versus the Jaguars with a hip injury. Um, also running back Daryl Henderson, he injured his quad on Sunday. He's been limited in practice. He's listed as, as questionable as well. So you do know, you think that, so do you think that means Sonny Michelle is going to get more carries? Do you think Austin Eckler's and then the Eckler's with the chargers? Do you think Sonny Michelle uh, steps up to the plate once again? Cause I know that for a time you and Tyler were talking back and forth about how Sonny Michelle was, uh, you know, you, one of you was high on him and one of the other one was low on him. 
I, you know, Tyler's not high on Sony Michelle, and I understand why. Michelle, you know, like coming off the injury that he had last year, he didn't play last year, and Tyler was a whole lot anyway. And and Tyler was like, oh, this guy sucks. And <clears throat> before that, I thought Michelle was a good, solid, bruising type of back in a situation in New England where they do running back by committee, and he doesn't get a whole lot of looks. He and and no running backs do really. You know, in in mm-hmm. uh, um, in New England. They, they were always doing that running back by committee thing. And even now, like even with as, as good as Damian Harris played, he mm-hmm. got hurt one game and Ramadre Stevens, Stevens comes in. Oh, he had a good game. So now they're doing that running back by committee thing again. So we don't know which guy is going to get more touches from week to week to week. I believe that um, Sony Michelle does jump in. I, you know, I don't think he's going to wind up being Cam Akers here. I think everybody mm-hmm. is obviously going okay as long as he's healthy this is the cam maker show next season okay right i'm down with that i think sody michelle is a serviceable enough running back to get it done and mm-hmm. whether or not tyler agrees with that well whatever i think daryl henderson has played well this year surprisingly well because he last year was not in every down type of back in the occasions where cam makers was down and he was more of a change of pace you know throw the ball to him kind of back so I think the Rams need a – they're kind of like in Buffalo Bill land where they, they do need a big bruising back. I think Sony Michelle could be that guy if they utilize it properly. But we'll see. We'll see about his workload. And then on the other end with Odell Beckham, um, you know, if either of these guys are out, this is another one of those situations where I say this is the week to not have them. Right. Oh, like this is the week to not have them. You're taking on the Jags. Yeah, you you basically yeah you could put out, you could put out the second and third stringers at this point. Right, yeah, that that team is just sad. On yeah, granted they have you know a, a potentially mercurial talent with Trevor Lawrence, but other than that, I mean you, you're going up against a squad that's like three and nine. You know right. they they you know for being bottom of the barrel in the in the AFC. I mean, granted they're no Detroit, but <laughs> you know they have three wins yeah. on their on their docket, yeah, but it's still pretty bad. They're a little rough around the edges. I, th- I think, you know, not starting those guys, I, I think, you know, the, the the Rams will still get it done and Stafford will still get it done. Mm-hmm. Um, moving into, the, we, we mentioned this earlier, I want to talk about it a little bit more. The Bucks wide receiver Antonio Brown, safety Mike Edwards, they've been suspended for three games for violating the league's COVID-19 protocols for using a fake vaccination card. <sighs> Is this I mean, just Antonio Brown, like, you know, I like, don't... Tyler and I talked about it last week because we, he got called out for it just before we did the show, and I, I made sure mm-hmm. it was on this. But now that he's suspended, is this just Antonio Brown being Antonio Brown at this point? I mean, I would part. I would partially agree. I, I would say yes. Ultimate, you know, yeah, ultimately, I'd say yes. Bullshit, right? Yep. It's just you know more drama, drama. You know, like he he had the mental breakdown in Pittsburgh. He went to he went to New England for a season and then got cut and now he's in Tampa Bay. Uh, I mean, he followed Tom Brady to uh, Tampa, Tampa yeah, Bay. Ironically, Vegas uh, too. The, the yeah. breakdown in Vegas, yelling at Mike Mayock, calling him a racist and stuff on the field, and <laughs> f you and f this. Like mm-hmm. that's a way to talk to your general manager. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so yeah, I, I almost forgotten about that actually. Yeah. Uh, so, you know, it, you know, I, we know that it, we know about Aaron Rodgers's uh, dealings with COVID and how he lied about his vaccination status. Right. So that's not, he's not, this isn't, that isn't the only story, but right. as far, but, but, but con, get condensing into this story and, and the suspensions, 
I would say yes. This is just A B B and A B. Yeah, and and I I do I think this one is a little more egregious than the Aaron Rodgers thing. Yeah, a little bit because he did use a fake vaccination card. But mm-hmm. I just point out like this is typical NFL shit where mm-hmm. Antonio Brown he violates the league protocols and yeah he uses a fake vaccination card. He gets a three game suspension. Aaron Rodgers gets a little slap on the wrist, fourteen thousand dollar fine. Like right. at a certain point, everybody's got to look and go, Hey, wait a minute. Aaron yeah, Rodgers could have been suspended for three fucking games too. Exactly. And, and, I, and, and, and the, and the consequences, right. Quite frankly, for a disease such as COVID-19 should be a little more steep than a three game suspension. Yeah. Especially I'm, if you're, if you're, if you're fraudulent on your, on a COVID on a health card, yeah. you know, issued by a health department. I mean, this is, this is not. You know, something like, oh, well, I, I, I flunked my physical. So this is a, this is a communicable disease that has caused death. Granted, you know, a, lo- a vast portion of the population has been vaccinated. So deaths, you know, have, have gone down, but people could still get really sick. You know, this is this is like this isn't like th- this is a lot. This goes a lot deeper than, you know, a traditional uh, skirt of the rules, skirt of the protocols. This is a very serious uh, situation, and you know both Rogers and uh, Antonio Brown uh, should have been more heavily penalized than you know a three-game suspension or just a paltry little fine. Oh, we'll keep you on the field. Just pay us some money. I agree. And and Aaron Rodgers, um, you know, I, I, well. As far as Antonio Brown goes, we're going to be awaiting because I, I have a feeling, you know, like it's a felony to to falsify a medical document like that. Well, you know, NFL and NFL and convicted felons have always gone hand in hand. <laughs> um, I forget the guys. It it's a felony and it can it can land you in prison. So we're, we're going to see if, if felony charges wind up coming. But that is a felony. Mm-hmm. Um, and also speaking of Aaron Rodgers, um, he has a broken toe. We talked about it earlier there. He's to reassess his toe surgery in the coming weeks. Uh, the Packers and Rodgers are saying that they're looking to avoid the surgery for him so he can finish out the season. Um, I kind of hope he gets the toe surgery, to be honest with you. So he's just <laughs> done for the year and I don't have to deal with it. <laughs> well, right. well, I mean, it's kind of the catch 22. I mean, on the one hand, you're kind of wishing for his toe to get better. So he's better next season, but then you wait, you're looking to get him out the door. So you don't see him again. Yeah. Yeah. It's, yeah, it's, exactly. it's, it, it's like, it's, a, it's like pick your poison. Yeah. Um, also in the, the North there, a, a, a serious injury, Dalvin cook, he's to miss some time with the dislocated shoulder that resulted in a torn labrum. As a guy who had shoulder injuries in the past, I can tell you a little bit about that. And and so I've been functioning with a torn labrum for, for close to a decade now. Mm-hmm. Um, and that was from dislocating my shoulder. Uh, you, you can work with a, a torn labrum. You can you can continue to do things, physical things, with, with a partially torn labrum. I mean, that's – I mean, it is what it is. Cook is going to miss about a month. I can mm-hmm. tell you he's going to miss three to four weeks, and, and that's about the time it takes to heal. And, and, and even then, over time – you know, I know when it's going to rain, <laughs> I'm like, Oh, it feels like rain out there. But mm-hmm. it's, um, it's just one of those things that, that, um, you know, he, he's going to have to recover from. I think that the Vikings should be looking at this and say, this guy is trade bait. And, mm-hmm. and I would, I, at this point I would be with all the injury issues. He's never finished, finished a full season. This is, I mean, don't you think that, that this is, 
a trade bait situation at this point? I, I would think so. I mean, if, if nothing else, to get some draft equity and cap space, mm-hmm. you know, uh, as much as of a star as Dalvin Cook is, you got to be thinking, all right, you know, we're bumping up against the cap here. You know, we're already paying, you know, Kirk Cousins, uh, you know, and and a boatload of money. And, you know, we're, je- you know, how far over the cap are we going to be this year versus last year? Uh, and maybe it's time to make some moves because what, what we can do is we can, you, we can, you know, um, center on some players we have some eyes on and, and, you know, make an offensive shift, especially if we're going to be changing coaches, if Zimmer's going to be getting the boot after the, after the season's done, you know, if if they cut him, if they, if they do cut him, um, you know they they have to pay his his prorated bonus and his guaranteed salary, which is about four and a half mil. He just did sign a new deal in 2020 um, to extend him through the the 2025 season. So that's fine, but but you can cut him and you can actually save decent money on it. Uh, well, if you cut him next season, you only save two million. But mm. you know, have a, but if you trade him, it's a different animal. I think trading him is is obviously the route to go, and I think they can trade him and and effectively get more money out of the deal. And you can and, get a, you can get a first round or two second rounders for him, yep. especially with him on a brand new deal like that. So mm-hmm. I think it's smart. Um, if they trade him this year, they, if they trade him before June first, it's a seven million dollar cap hit. If they trade him after June first, they save two million dollars on the cap. So they would have to trade him post June first. I think it's smart, mm-hmm. and and I, I I believe that that trading him to save that money and get yourself the draft capital, that's the way to do it. And trade him, trade him to like I don't know maybe a Rams or um or a top tier team that already has like a star. Yeah. No, yeah. no, not no that would need a star running back, Seahawks. but already has. See, Seahawks could use could use a bump. How about Miami? Miami could use one. They yeah, got for sure. Down there, I mean, you know, <coughs> I mean, you know, that need a stud like that, and I think he's the guy okay. for them. And and is he? They they could use that bump for, however, 12, 13 games that he plays every year. Yeah, I mean, because sure. you know he's going to get hurt at this point. You know what he is. Yeah, I, you know he's injury prone, and you can plan around it. Right. Or try to. Right. And uh, speaking of now injury-prone running backs, we're talking about uh, Christian McCaffrey. He's out for the rest of the season with an ankle injury. Sad face. Yeah, he's been hurt for the last two seasons now. And, uh, man, I, this guy, I mean, he's been in and out and in and out and in and out. I mean, it's he's hokey-pokey in with the mm-hmm. injury designation now. Now he's finally out for the rest of the year. He hits IR. Huge mm-hmm. hit for the Panthers. I think the Panthers yeah. be cooked at this point, don't oh, you? Oh, yeah. I mean, you know, I – yeah, I I mean I talked about it or we talked about it earlier, but I mean just 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 sitting at the, looking at Christian McCaffrey alone, I mean that the, the, a humongous chunk of their offense, you know, just got toasted. Yep. You know, and then there's a, there's the Sam Darnold situation where he bombed. You know, now that we looked at a Carolina team, and I was like, oh, you know, these guys might make it to the might they're one of the NFC South and be like a two seed. Right. They're going to be lucky to get into the playoffs now. Yeah. You know. Yeah. And it's, I don't it's, think it's a, it's a, it's a, it's trouble. Yeah. I like Chuba Hubbard a lot. I just don't know if he's going to do enough to get him in. And then another running back that is out, um, DeAndre Swift, 
He's out versus the Vikings on Sunday. Head coach Dan Campbell says he's about a week away from being able to return. I think that's also a hit for the Lions, don't you? I mean, well, for sure. Well, he's one. He's one of their most, one of their only prolific players. I need to make that statement. The only, the other prolific players being Jared Goff and uh, T.J. Hawkinson. The rest of the rest of the roster are a bunch of no names, and uh, there's no other talent that can, you know, possibly be held up to a DeAndre Swift. Yeah, I think. Um, Jamal Williams is going to step in for him this Sunday, which I think he's a good runner. He was good in yeah. Green Bay, but you know he's he's more of that uh, that goal line type of back. And yeah. and uh, can he he's taken on the number one role in the past, but you know the question is there. It, you know. it was it was born out of necessity, I'm sure. Uh, right, and and I think that's kind of where we're headed now. I think it's born out of necessity, and and we're going to be. You know, we're going to see how Jamal Williams does, but getting DeAndre Swift back on the field should be a key thing for the Lions. Um, another running back who's doubtful for Sunday's game versus the Chiefs, Melvin Gordon. Um, it's finally happening. We're going to see Javante <laughs> Williams take over. Uh, you know, yeah, I, just, I, you I know. sent you guys that message of, of the, the office. It's finally happening. Oh, oh my God. God. Yeah, he's, um, <laughs> yeah. Cause I, I'll be, Here's here's the here's the funny thing. I was going to mention this earlier that I hadn't really heard much of Melvin Gordon. I forgot he was still playing with the Chargers. So <laughs> yeah. that kind of tells you, you know, how effective Melvin Corbin has been uh, in the run game. Yeah, they've been doing a split back system over there, which has been you know kind of interesting. And it's not that that Melvin Gordon's been bad, but because mm -hmm. of the split back system, they've been sharing carries like almost fifty fifty. I mean, it's been mm -hmm. a frustrating. But for a guy like me who's had Javante Williams sitting on his bench in fantasy <laughs> yeah. for like six weeks just going, God, I really hope he takes over that role. Now it's it's like, Here we oh. go. It's going to happen. So we, we'll get to see uh, Javante Williams take over in Denver. I think he should be the number one back over there. And if the Denver Broncos are smart, they're going to go ahead and take Melvin Gordon and either kick him out out of there or trade him. I mean, then get something for him and just take Javante Williams because you're not paying him nearly as much as Melvin Gordon, who got mm -hmm. $8 million a year, if I'm not mistaken. Yeah. So I, I think you can save $8 million on the cap and, and go with Javante Williams. I like it. Yeah. Yeah. Now, uh, next up, you got the Giants quarterback. Daniel Jones is ruled out for Sunday's game versus the Dolphins with a neck injury. Ooh, Mike, Mike Glennon is making mm. the start. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Um, Mike Glennon, a, a guy that once got a $15 million, uh, $15 million a year deal with the Cardinals. I don't understand. What? No, that makes no sense. <laughs> yeah, it was but um, Glennon comes in. He's He's been a journeyman backup for years and years and years, and now he's he's rolling back onto the field. I, I mm. think the Giants are toasted. And I think this is they've they've been, they've been toasted pretty much all year. Yeah. I mean, that well, entire organization for the past several years has been a dumpster fire. Yeah, you know, some of it entertaining to watch, but at the same time, it's like, oh, just, just end it. <laughs> and speaking of the Cardinals, wide receiver DeAndre Hopkins and Kyler Murray will return to the field this Sunday after missing three games. DeAndre Hopkins string injury, Kyler Murray with an ankle injury. They're set to return to the field. Um, they, and, and we'll see if they, they actually make a game debut. They're, they're deciding they return to the practice field. I, I need to mm. correct. Yes. They return to the practice field. We're going to see if they start this week. If they do, Cardinals are going to be in great shape having those two bodies yep. back on the field, right? <laughs> 
Yeah, especially since, you know, we're in the last leg of the season and we're talking about, you know, these these guys and the, these teams in the NFC West need to catch up with the Cardinals, not with Kyler Murray in the in the at the helm right. and not with DeAndre Hopkins on, on the field either. I mean, that's going to be you know, those. That's just a one two punch. That's going to be very hard to counter. Yep. And uh, next up, you got the Browns offensive tackle, Jack Conklin. He's set to miss the remainder of the season with a torn patellar tendon. We, um, <clears throat> Jack Conklin went down a few weeks ago. We knew that. He came back, and then first came back, he gets hurt. He's done for the year. Mm-hmm. I mean, kind of a tough go for old Jackie there. Um, it's a big loss for the Browns, though, especially in the run game. Jack Conklin is really good for the run, um, and and he's been really good at setting that edge for for those guys. This is a huge hit for the Browns, especially because the Browns, their their whole offense is predicated on that run game. Yep, absolutely. And you know, if if you can't get the running game going, you can't get play action going, uh, and you have to rely on the pass. And as we've seen, Baker Mayfield's kind of bitten the dust in recent games with the passing game. Yeah, I think I think this is a huge hit for them. Um, and on the eve, or well, on the day of, uh, we're a couple hours away from about, eh, I would say about five hours away from the Big Ten title game. (laughs) The Michigan Wolverines are going to be taking on the the Iowa Hawkeyes here. Uh, I want to talk about this guy a little bit, Aiden Hutchinson. We know a lot about him because we we are from the Michigan area. It's Mm -hmm. weird. I'm a Vikings fan from Detroit, but I like every other Michigan team. Mm -hmm. Uh, Aiden Hutchinson, he is emerging as a potential number one overall pick uh, we've been talking about Kayvon Thibodeau for a while, mm-hmm. and and that has been a a, a big thing. I've, I've made mention of it on the show a number of times, and Kayvon Thibodeau is no longer – well, he is being looked at as a potential number one. But, but he's got some competition. Yeah, he's actually got some competition now in Aiden Hutchinson. Do you think Aiden Hutchinson goes number one? Do you think he's capable of being number one? What do you think happens with Aiden Hutchinson? Well, uh if we if that a performance against Ohio State is to be noted, and it will be noted for all of eternity, uh, at least with all of Michigan fans, the the kid the kid plays with passion. Uh, he he really had a chip on his shoulder this you know last Saturday. You know uh, he's really gonna. I I expect him to play with aggression, the same level of aggression and the same level of leadership he did last week against the Buckeyes. You know. Iowa is no Ohio State, but they're no pushovers either, you know. Um, so it's, I think it's going to be very important to see how um, <clears throat> Aiden Hutchinson plays the rest of the season, uh, how he fares in the college football playoff, depending on it, a if they get there, b their placement there, because if you go if you go four and one against Georgia, for example, it's going to be a, it's going to be tough sledding. Yeah, if you win the Big Ten championship. Uh, you, you stay number two, I think, uh, depending on who lands in that number three spot, uh, they, we could see Michigan and Alabama. Um, and again, you know, this is, this, this is out, this is outside of your conference. I mean, I don't know how often Michigan's been successful against, uh, non-conference opponents, uh, in big five conferences, SEC, ACC. Hutchinson's going to wind up being a huge, huge factor in those games i think i think yeah and and it's going to be really that defense is going to be reliant on him to to, you know continue doing that what he's been doing and 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 
it, it's going to be tough. I mean, it, I, I agree with you. And one thing that you made mention of that I really liked was putting together like what happened in that OSU game. Mm-hmm. And, and you remember what happened in the OSU game a few years back. We, we yep. saw Dwayne Haskins had himself a hell of a game going in, yep. you know, against uh, Michigan and, and, you know, he had, he had a great game. And next thing you know, you know, Dwayne Haskins, everybody was kind of like on the fence about him. Next thing you know, we're talking about him as, as a potential number one overall pick. And those mm-hmm. Michigan games, those games that between OSU and Michigan, they carry a lot of weight. Yep. And so, and, and we also, a guy that, that showed up again, like, and, and he didn't go like second round or anything, but Trey Sermon was a guy that suddenly started getting talked about because of his play in that game. So yeah. I think like, I feel like those games sometimes they, they, because they're on the big stage and because yeah. they're time games, these, these players get a lot more looks than they normally would any other time for sure. And this is what we're seeing out of Aiden Hutchinson because yep. of the performance against OSU, who has a very potent offense and OSU is notorious for having very potent offenses throughout their entire time. Mm-hmm. Aiden Hutchinson is now being looked at because he did tear it up last weekend. Yep. I, and, I saw, I saw a Michigan defense that had a chip on their shoulder. Yeah. I and, saw a Michigan and, offense that had a chip on their shoulder. And, and I feel like, like, it's uh, it's kind of telling though that, and and it's almost a little sad, really, that nobody is look, talking about Daxton Hill either, um, because I right. think Daxton Hill is a potential number, you know, a potential first rounder as well, and he's been a huge part of that defense. Mm-hmm. Really, and and so there, it's there. I think Daxton Hill is going to be a stud in this league, <clears throat> and I think yep. Aiden Hutchinson. I think he got a lot of looks in that, in that game. And I think it, it, he's going to wind up being in the conversation. I think you talked about a top three guy. Yep. It jacked up. It, 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 uh, it vastly improved his draft capital. Yes. It vastly improved his chances at winning the Heisman. People are calling him for him to win the Heisman. I, I, that's a little lofty for me. Cause I mean, yeah. you know, this is, this is one game we're talking about, but it's, yeah, a, it's, a, it's a little lofty. I, I think that there are other players that have played better. For sure. Yeah. But, but the, the point still stands that, you know, because of that performance, you know, you're right. He's getting a lot more looks, keep up the intensity throughout the rest of this season and build your draft capital and build your stock. And then, you know, and see where, where it takes you. If they go to the, if they win the big 10 championship, they go to the playoff. If they go to, and I'm not even saying win, if they go to the national championship game, yeah, does it go number one overall? Uh, if they get to the national title game, it's iffy. Number one overall. Number one. Uh, I mean, because we're talking, we're talking. Talk- number one overall, and, and I know Kayvon Thibodeau has been in the discussion as the number one overall guy for a while. But is but Oregon we- even is Oregon even in the playoff picture? Right, and and we you know. we we've, we've talked about we we know Kayvon Thibodeau. He's he's slated as number one guy, but mm-hmm. right now, right but now. It, Right now, but if let's say Aiden Hutchinson comes out and and plays great, and they go to the the you know national title game, and and they don't win it, but you know he still looks good. Mm-hmm. He could he could slide in the back door. It's I mean you you people do tend to look at people who played in the national t- title game. I mean Joe Burrow. Look at all the other previous number one overall draft picks. Now, yep. Grad and Matthew Stafford didn't sniff 
the national championship or the, or the game, but he still went number one overall. Right. Uh, so it's possible that you know even if you know uh, Hutchinson makes it all the way to the national title game, you know Thibodeau might still edge him out. It depends on what Oregon's bowl positioning is and how dominant his performance is against whatever opponent they're slated against. Yeah. But there's there's a, certainly a strong argument that can be made that if Aiden Hudson makes it to the national title game and puts in a great performance, that he'll be, they might look at him as a potential number one. Yeah, I agree. I'm I'm 100 with you. And uh, with that, Alex. That is our news around the league. Now we, we've got one more thing. We've got our uh, our games. We're going to do our predictions. Um, mm. I, I'm gonna. I got to pull up Tyler's predictions. He did send them to me to make sure that that I had them all. So uh, we, uh, I, I gotta gotta scroll here to find his his predictions. We both took the Cowboys on Thursday night. The Cowboys did win that game, twenty seven seventeen. Um, so are you ready, Alex? I am ready. I'd All like right. to do the Vikings. Uh, well, never mind. I'll let I'll let you lead and I'll follow. But okay. we we have we have we uh, have some personal wagers uh, to weigh in on. I think I want to close the show out with that. So now here are our predictions for Week 13 in the NFL, starting with the Giants and the Dolphins. Uh, Danny Dimes isn't in the game. I'm going Dolphins. I think the Dolphins are red hot right now. I think that defense though is going to tear up the uh, the Giants. Yeah, I th- I'm gonna I'm gonna call the score uh, Dolphins 28, Giants 14. Yeah, uh, I, and I, they'll be lo- they'll be lucky to get 14 points to be honest with you. But you know, with Tua and Waddle, you know, having the games they had last week, you know, I'm sure that uh, you know the Dolphins are definitely gonna put up a, a huge fight and and take it t- take it to the G men. Yep, Tyler's going with the Dolphins there as well. So uh, next up, you got the Bucks and the Falcons. I'm going Bucks. Tyler's going Bucks. I think this is a no-brainer. Tom yeah. Brady is no-brainer. Yeah, Tom, Tom Brady's going to beat the brakes off the Falcons. They might make it close, but no. That we're talking about, you know, the goat. You know, you don't go up against the goat even 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 though you're five and six. Right. I mean, you're, yeah, it's Bucks all the way. Yeah. Uh, next up, this one will be actually a pretty fun game. I'm looking forward to it. Chargers and Bengals. Mm-hmm. Um, Tyler's going with the Bengals here. I'm with him. I'm going Bengals. I think Joe Mixon has himself another great game. I am going to pick the Los Angeles Chargers, A, because of Justin Herbert, B, because things might get weird in the NFL. Uh, having, I mean, the Bengals have a very strong case to win this game, but, I mean, let's not forget, you know, we do have Justin Herbert. We do have Austin Eckler. You know, we do have, you know, the, the players on that team. Williams. Joey Bosa. I mean, they've they've got a squad over there. The only thing I'm thinking though is the Chargers' defense, their run defense, hasn't been there. And who's mm-hmm. been hot is that Joe Mixon character. I yep. want to see what he can do, Mister mm-hmm. Joe, as as Chris Berman likes to call him, Joe Mixon Match. <laughs> so, oh, that Chris yeah. Berman, love him. Love Chris Berman. Um, next up, you got the Eagles and the Jets. Uh, Jalen Hurts may not play, but even then, I'm going Eagles here. I don't think the Jets have a chance. I'm going Eagles. Eagles for me too. Yep, Tyler's Maybe. Eagles as well. Um, that one's. I think it's just gonna be a blowout. Uh, next up, you got the Cardinals and the Bears. I'm going with the Cardinals. Tyler's going with the Cardinals. Chalk another one up for Arizona. I mean, uh, you know, I don't know if uh, has. I don't know if um, what's his what's his face is playing for the Bears. Uh, Mister Bust, Bust, 
Bustin Fields. That's his. Uh, I don't know if he's out with an injury or what, but yeah, it's uh, it's Arizona all day. Yeah, I'm with especially you. with Kyler Murray and DeAndre Hopkins possibly coming back. Yep. Watch uh, out. Next up, uh, we got the Vikings and the Lions. Um, so this one is a little a lot of newscasters, a lot of sportscasters are saying the Lions are going to get their first win this week. They may be right, and I deep down in my gut, I feel like your boys are going to beat my Vikings. But even then, I'm going to go with the Vikings here. I'm going to I'm going to support my boys. I'm having a bad feeling about this game, though. Yeah, it's, I I am going to go with my Lions. You know, uh, this is you know, it's if this was like a, if this was Lions against you know, I'll pick the Lions, uh, and we have some props uh, going in. Uh, just a little sidebar here. Uh, Scott and I have a little friendly little wager on uh, the performance of the Vikings. Preseason, yeah. it was discussed that the Vikings would win 10 games. Yep. Right? And uh, we, we thought, okay, you know, I, th- I just thought, well, the NFL is way too weird. There's a lot of things that could go wrong. And Kirk Cousins, you know, in the past has had his shortcomings, you know, whether yeah. it's check down Charlie or just happy feet, you know, I've heard, I've heard the, I've, I've heard it run the gamut. So I'm like, all right, if the Vikings don't win 10 games this season, if they don't, he, I get paid $50. Yes. If I'm wrong, if I'm wrong and if, and if they win 10 games, I pay him 50 bucks. We'll get more into, uh, this has evolved now because, you know, this is a very interesting game. We'll get more into that uh, later, but uh, let's keep on, let's keep trucking with the picks here. Yeah, uh, Tyler goes with the Vikings as well in that game. Uh, next up, we got the Colts and the Texans. Uh, I'm going with the Colts here. I think it's new no-brainer. I think they're red hot. Yep, and the Texans are just a straight dumpster fire. Colts exactly. all the way. Tyler's going with the Colts as well. Uh, next up, we got the Washington football team and the Vegas Raiders. Uh, Vegas is favored, but Washington's weirdly hot. I'm not mm-hmm. sure about this. Well, the the line is uh, one and a half. Uh, the over, you know, so the the Las Vegas Raiders are only getting a, a point. You know, they only have to cover a point and a half. Yeah. So it's going to be like, you know, just, you know, close. And the over under is only forty eight points. So I am going to go with the Raiders. Uh, you know, I'm thinking, you know, uh, McLaurin and uh, what? Uh, hang on, who, who else is that? What's that other guy's name? The quarterback there, oh, uh, Heineke. Heineke. That's right. Uh, you know, th- he's going to make. He, they're going to make things interesting. That's going to be um, a sleeper game, right? You know, what, tune in. Yeah, I, I think it's going to be an exciting one. I'm I'm fired up for it. it it's a two middle of the road teams that are fighting for their playoff life there. So mm-hmm. <laughs> that'll that'll be yeah, a good one. Gonna be fun. Yeah. Next up, you got the Rams and the Jags. This is blowout central. I'm going Rams. Yeah. Rams. I mean, Stafford's gonna Stafford's gonna use the Jaguars as his personal uh, placemat next. Yep, and Tyler's taking the the Rams as well. Next up, we got the 49ers and the Seahawks. Tyler and myself both going with the Niners here. Um, myself as well. I mean, the Seahawks are just banged up, and you know, the, I think they're toast. Like we talked about earlier, overall they're toast. Yeah, I agree. Uh, next up, we got a, a divisional game here: Baltimore, the Ravens, and the Steelers. I'm going Baltimore here. Tyler is also going with Baltimore. Yep, I am going to peg Baltimore as well. Um, I think it, it, since be, because it's a division game, 
It's going to be closer than you expect. Uh, Baltimore is getting, you know, has to cover four and a half points. Uh, but I think that they'll just they'll they'll cover for right. sure. I th- I'm going to I'm going to call it a ten point game. Yeah. Uh, next up, you got the Broncos and the Chiefs. I'm going to go ahead and go with the Chiefs here. I think the Chiefs are red hot. I'm going with the Chiefs. Yep. Uh, myself as well, especially riding that four-game winning streak, going from the bottom of the basement to the top of the pile. And, uh, you know, Teddy Bridgewater, as we mentioned before, is no Patrick Mahomes for sure. Um, I think the Chiefs are going to, you know, win this one handily. Uh, yeah, I'm, I'm with you on that wholeheartedly. And uh, last but not least, Patriots in the Bills. This is going to be a good one. Monday night football. It's going to be tight. Buffalo is favored, but I'm going with the Patriots. Yep. You know what? It, I cannot say I blame you because Mac Jones and Bill Belichick together have worked together to put in one of the most prolific offenses we've seen. And the Patriots defense has been very, very stout these last few weeks. So I am also going to pick the Patriots by a narrow margin. Buffalo is favored only by two and a half points. So they only have, it's going to be like a field goal game. I kind of agree with that. Uh, Damian Harris uh, is definitely going to be the difference maker in that game because, you know, as you said before, Buffalo's rush game has kind of been off and on. you know, but but Josh Allen is going to get it done through the air. Fun game to watch for sure. Yeah, this one's going to be a, a very entertaining one. And uh, yeah, and Tyler, Tyler actually didn't pick a game, a team for this game. So oh, I, right. I, I don't know. I'm going to ask him, but we'll, and I'll get it off the air. But yeah, I'm I'm going with the Patriots. You're going with the Bills. We'll see what what he does. So off. I, I I chose Patriots by a slim margin. Pat, so I apologize. That's I okay. Bills. Um, and with that, those are our predictions for uh, week 13 in the NFL. And Alex, that is our show. Um, I wanted to uh, thank you for, for joining us and filling in for Tyler. Um, hell of a show today. And I, I really appreciate you jumping in on this thing. It was a lot of fun doing it. And uh, you may hear my voice uh, more off. You may hear my voice once again uh, down the line. Who knows? Well, yeah, we love having you on the show. Anytime you want to join us, you're more than welcome. Uh, real quick, before we jump off here, I want to give a quick shout out to uh, It's Your Time Massage, our sponsor. Thank you uh, so much for being a wonderful sponsor. You can check out Amanda at IYTMassage.com. She's a tremendous massage therapist. She gets the world, the job done wonderfully. Um, mm-hmm. uh, you can check it out, IYTMassage.com, or you can check her out on Facebook at It's Your Time Massage, LLC. And um, also, we've got to give a shout out to Face Kicked Apparel, uh, Sean yep. Stott, Iron Company. They do a great job. You pick it. He sticks it over at facekickedapparel.com. Good for uh, shirts, hoodies, T-shirts, uh, hats, anything you can think of, he's going to take care of you. Once again, that's facekickedapparel.com. And actually, Alex, I just got a message from Tyler. Okay. I said, you didn't pick a game for Monday night. Which one do you got? And he goes, oh, shoot, I got the Pats. <laughs> wow so all three of us kind of like have that same uh yeah. sink in us so there we go see that red hot thing so um i'm, uh, I'm gonna message him right now okay cool <laughs> That's finishing up recording <laughs> <laughs> so yeah. um yeah so tyler's got the patriots and alex thank you for for jumping in again this has been a, a wonderful time we got big 10 title game tonight 
We've got uh, all kinds of fun stuff going on. So um, thank you so much. And, uh, folks, we will see you uh, next week right here on the Outside Blitz. Join us soon on the Outside Blitz. And be sure to follow on Facebook at facebook.com backslash the Outside Blitz. And feel free to email us questions at theoutsideblitz at gmail.com.